Hey, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, if you uh, celebrate that. Uh, welcome to the 226th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about Hawkeye series from 2012, 2012, right? The Matt, uh, Matt Fraction, David Aha, the series that inspired the Disney Plus Hawkeye show. Real big, uh, a lot of elements from that. And it's really great to, to go back and revisit with Clint and Kate Bishop and, and Pizza Dog, all that fun stuff. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash shemanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. So what do we have on this week's show? I, I have a feeling, and I could be totally wrong because I've said this like a million, not a million times, but I've said this several times, I think it might be a slightly shorter show, which uh, it's the holidays, you know, it, it happens. Uh, you know, looking at it, there, there wasn't a whole lot of news, but yes, I tend to ramble sometimes, so we'll see how it goes. But as far as uh, what what we have, there's actually a, like three movie features. I'm mo- only going to go more in depth on one, The Matrix Resurrection, obviously. But I saw a couple other movies this week that I just wanted to talk, you know, maybe a little briefly about and not, not go super heavy into it. But there was Swan Song, which was on on Apple Plus, and and that's a that was a, it was a very interesting movie. It's a little little heavy, so I got some things to say about that. And then there's also The Unforgivable, which with Sandra Bullock that came out on uh, Netflix, and uh, it, that was a good movie. Not a typical podcast type movie, and I I hate to kind of designate certain things or or whatever. But it, it's a it's it's a powerful movie as well, powerful performance. And then of course we have uh, the big conclusion finale of Hawkeye, the Disney Plus show, which I loved. And then there's Dexter Newblood. Uh, th- that's it. There's only two TV shows this week, so we'll see. Um, I realized that The Witcher came out. I think The Witcher came out uh, last last Friday, not the last last Friday. I haven't watched any of it, and I'm really really uh i know i covered the first season but you know i wasn't super i'm not super invested in the franchise because i've never played the games or you know read any of the books or comics or anything like that i i love henry cavill i think he's great and i'm i think i enjoyed the first season it it did seem a little not not convoluted at times but you know for me on the outside you know not not being a witcher aficionado or anything you know i was just like i was just okay with it I think this. I I think I saw something that the second season's a little better. It's maybe less convoluted, but I just haven't had a chance to watch it. And and part of it, I, I've been kind of enjoying this past week. I mean, there's a point. I'm actually, you know, full disclosure. I'm recording this this pot this episode a little bit earlier, just because of the holidays and you know sp- spending time with with family and everything. So like one night, I was just like. What am I gonna? What I I actually have time to watch something, anything. I ended up watching Scott Pilgrim on on 4K because I I uh, 
I got, and I don't know why. What made me? I have it on Blu-ray, but I was, I was like, well, get on 4K. I, I think it was, it was like, it was like ten dollars, or it was like some deal of a day, or something like that. And it looks good. It's, it's a, it's a such a fun movie. It's such a crazy cast when you you look back at all the people who are in there, all the people who are in that movie that later went on to play other comic book characters. I always think that's fascinating. Like Chris Evans, man, he's how many different comic book characters has he? Been? You know, he's a Human Torch. He was in uh, the Losers. He was, uh, who was obviously Captain America. I feel like there's something else too. Was, uh, I mean, who, who holds a record of the most different comic book characters, you know, in recent times? Because he's, he's got quite a few. I'm sure there's other people. So uh, yeah, I, I watched that and and it looked glorious. So it, it's been kind of nice not having to watch a bunch of stuff because you know it, it gives me time to just like catch my breath because. I know boohoo, poor Tony, but it's like I, I I'm constantly watching or reading stuff, and you know I, I tried plowing through the comics, you know, to, to get everything done. So uh, hopefully you're you're having a good week as well. So let's uh, just see. Here I am. I'm I'm five minutes. I'm just going on and on again. So let's just get into the news and, and see what what happens with this episode. Big, not necessarily big news, but you know, obviously Spider Man No Way Home is is killing it at the box office, and um, I have a feeling it's probably going to be the number one movie. It's it's way too early for me to tell. I haven't looked at any numbers. Like I don't even know how Matrix was doing. That's the thing about the Matrix, which um, I'll talk more about that. My my theatrical experience with the Matrix. I'll I'll talk about that when when we get there. Uh, so I but I have a feeling Spider Man is going to do better because you know people are going to want to see that. I'm sure it's playing like on a bunch of screens. It's it's doing well. It's huge. It's crazy. So we'll see. But uh, they released Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness teaser. Spoiler, not really, but they they actually it's the same clip they showed at the end of, of Spider Man, you know. So like that. So if you think about it, the the mid credit and after credits, I'm not super happy with what we got in Spider Man. You know, I, I I shared my feelings on mid credit last week because I w- I won't go into it. I don't even want to hint what it's about. But then we had a, the Doctor Strange, which is basically a teaser. Fine, okay, that that's that's great, but it's just weird. Yeah, weird choice. So they finally released it so everyone can see it, even though probably most people have seen it if they went and saw Spider-Man. And uh, it, it looks good. It's I mean, it, it's great that the Elizabeth Olsen is going to be in it. You know, we're going to have more Wanda after WandaVision. And uh, obviously, we have America Chavez making her, her debut. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I think that's great because, uh, you know, hopefully... At some point, she and Kate Bishop will will meet up because you know they're best friends, and that would be cool. So, uh, I'm I'm interested in what's going to happen with, with that, and you know it's great to see Sam Raimi back with with Marvel characters, you know, after Spider Man. So, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with that. So, um, very very exciting. Jessica Henwick. Had some some clarified things a little bit more because you know she's uh in in the Matrix. She was really good in the Matrix. It, it was it was cool to see her. Uh, I'm not overly familiar with her, but obviously you know for her playing Colleen Wing, I, I thought she you know she was great at that. And I mentioned a, a couple weeks ago where, where there was an interview and she she mentioned she tried out for a role in Shang Chi and uh, Legends of the Ten Ring, but it wasn't, you know, it's clear what character, and, you know, people, I was, you know, one of them, it's, you know, is she, was she trying out for Shang-Chi's sister? And yes, she was. She ended up choosing the Matrix over Shang-Chi, and part of what she said is, uh, 
she she feels you know a connection to Colleen Wing and with oh, she's at a with a certain character returning in something else uh, which you probably know what I'm talking about she says that that said actor knew about their opportunity years ago you know he already knew it was happening so she's kind of, you know who I'm talking about right so she's she's saying that if she sh- chose Shang-Chi that would kind of put an end to Colleen Wing. It would probably kind of like put her to bed. Or I forget what, what exactly she said. So she's hoping that at somehow the opportunity will come up. And she said that, you know, she's made her own happy ending in her head. You know, she knows where Colleen's, you know, Colleen and Missy are hanging out and whatever. And, you know, she also kind of joked about, you know, there could be a, a variant, you know, from Loki, you know, and everything like that. So it would be cool to, to see more. Uh, with, with that and I have a little more on a, the, the topic I'll talk about later in a certain segment uh, you might, might be able to figure out what I'm talking about maybe not I think there's a new teaser for the book of Boba Fett if so I didn't watch it and I'm, I don't want to watch it because that show starts next week right and uh, I'm excited for that I, I mentioned last week how they said that the first teaser just had footage from like the first few minutes because anything else would be a spoiler. So I'm really curious what that means. Like, are things just going to go completely bonkers, you know, after the first few minutes? I mean, maybe not. Maybe they're just, you know, saying that to hype it up a little more. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what they're going to do with that. So that'll be cool. So if there is a new teaser, you can check that out if, if you're if you're inclined to those certain things. Uh, speaking of 4K earlier... So they're going to release Ghostbusters Ultimate Collection in 4K, and I'm I, I understand why what you know what, what the decision that they made. So it's only going to have Ghostbusters one two and then Ghostbusters Afterlife. What about uh, the other <laughs> other one? I mean, you know, I I know some people weren't uh, weren't in crazy about the 2016 version but paul Feig, who directed he's like um sony pictures on twitter he said this i know this must be a mistake we do have a lot of fans and bill dan and ernie were in it and it won the kids choice award for best feature film the year it came out so i guess this was just an oversight so they they purposely left off the the 2016 version i don't see the point of doing that you know if you're gonna call this the ultimate collection and you know maybe by including the other movie, it's going to make it a more expensive. I, I I don't know what the official price is. I, I saw some a couple people were saying is like is this the, like 140 bucks or 150 bucks for three movies? That's I mean I, I guess if it's 150 bucks, I mean you look at 4K movies tend to be like you know 25 to 30 bucks. So yeah, you could do that, but I feel like it should be included. And you know whether you love the movie or not, it was a Ghostbusters, and I I, I enjoyed it. You know, maybe I'm just not like a huge hardcore Ghostbusters fan that was like upset and thought it was sacrilege that they rebooted. I mean, the part, the main reason I loved it is because I took my daughter when she was young and and she had a blast with it. I don't know necessarily if it was because it was women. I mean, maybe that that could be part of it is, you know, my daughter, you know, being a young, young girl and seeing these, you know, women, something a little different. You know, she grew up with all the superhero stuff and it's that never really bothered her. But I'm sure at on some level. She must have thought it was cool because you know she always she always loved Black Widow character and you know even when the movie started coming out she gravitated towards that even though when we played Disney Infinity she was either Black Widow or Spider Man so you know it wasn't necessarily a gender thing 
but you know she could appreciate that whether it was on a conscious or subconscious level whatever and chris hemsworth was was hilarious in, in the movie so i i think it's i think it's kind of crappy that they didn't include it and you know you could i'm sure you could stick it in there maybe it would just add to the cost restoring it doing whatever you know phys- another disc boohoo whatever if you're gonna call it ultimate that that's just stupid not to include it and it just it's just, it's an insult and i feel like a lot of the, the critics or people complaining about it they're just you know the big dude bros that just just get over it you know it was a different thing and you should be happy you got ghostbusters afterlife so it's it this movie did not ruin the precious ghostbusters franchise you know it was just another thing and I, I feel like they've they've maybe I'm thinking about the comics, but they've they've opened up the idea of multiverse before in the comics, and I think they've had a crossover with the Ghostbusters and the real Ghost, the cartoon real Ghostbuster where they had the gorilla, right? And even that, the Ghostbusters movie is not even the original Ghostbusters, and people are complaining. Anyways, so get that if you want. I'm not going to get it. It's not at for a hundred and whatever dollars. Uh, I mean, I like the movies, but like I said, I, I'm I, I'm not a hardcore fan that needs to have that. So. If you are, congrats, you got that coming. But I just think it's crappy that they didn't include that one. Michael Shannon and Ante Trau uh, may be returning in the Flash movie. So that's General Zod and what was her name? Fahora? Fahora? Whatever. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know how he failed this Flash movie, Flashpoint, whatever it is. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, don't bring them back. I mean, I'm I'm hoping it's like a multiverse version of them and not like bringing them back from the dead cuz we need to we need to move away from that. One thing that was interesting uh, speaking of Superman and that is uh Matthew Vaughn who who did the Kingsman. I'm going to talk uh, I mentioned I'm going to talk about the Kingsman last week. Um full disclosure, I did see the Kingsman, Kingsman. Uh and and spoiler, I did enjoy it. I'm going to talk about that next week, just for logistics sake. Um, but Matthew Vaughn did say that he pitched a, a Superman-like sequel, a Man of Steel sequel with with uh, Henry Cavill, but Warner Brothers is like, yeah, not right now, or whatever. And he wanted to do a movie that's a little more fun. And I think that would be great. You know how I feel about the Snyder movies. And I, I think Matthew Vaughn also said that uh, he, he feels that having Batman fight Superman was a mistake. I, I forgot what his like his full statement was, but I agree. You know that was just like such a hardcore way for them to meet. And and yes, that's a typical comic book things where you know they they fight and they end up teaming up. But this was just like such a on such a huge level, and we never really got them to see, see we never got to see them be become friends. You know, because in the comics, they're, they're kind of like best friends or, or Superman's like you know, really close to Batman, whatever, even though they, they don't like hang out all the time or anything like that. So maybe it's just that level of respect. I feel like they didn't get much bonding besides the fact that Martha and then that like changed everything. And now they're, you know, BFFs or whatever. And I, I just I feel like them getting along more would have been and maybe that something happened so we didn't even see that because yeah there was no chance and i've totally forgot how bvs ended what happened to superman so they never really got a chance to become buds and so then when you got like justice league zack snyder's justice league or whatever it, it like didn't mean anything where it could have been different if they were more on you know and had a friendship or something i don't know 
speaking of, of all that, so <laughs> Michael Keaton is going to be returning in the Flashpoint movie as Batman. But apparently that's not it. He's also going to be in HBO Max's Batgirl movie as Bruce Wayne Batman. That's where things get a little interesting. It's like, what exactly does this mean? Because we know J.K. Simmons is playing uh, the commissioner again. And, you know, he was commissioner in, in Justice League, whatever, Zack Snyder's DC Extended Universe, whatever. I don't even know what we're calling it these days. It kind of makes it feel like Batgirl could be in the same continuity. But then we're having Michael Keaton. Does this have anything to do with After Flat? I don't know which is coming out first. I, I whatever. I mean, it's, it's just weird. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be all connected. Just because we have J.K. Simmons doesn't mean it has to be just the same, you know, universe. It could just be, if we're doing Elseworlds and Multiverse or whatever, you know, maybe it's just another one. So who, who knows? Uh, HBO Max is also apparently doing a Legion of Superheroes animated series. So I'm, eh, that's fine. So congrats to the fans of that. I, you know, I've said so many, many, many times that I'm not like a huge Legion of Superhero fans, and I, you know, I just didn't read a whole lot of them. And and what I did read was like the some of the classic old random issues with Superboy, and there's a lot of them were kind of wacky and everything like that. And you know, I've, I've mentioned numerous times about Jeff Johns and and Gary Frank's uh, run in Action Comics where the Legion was appearing, and I thought those were great. So we'll see. Um, I I kind of want to watch that Superboy in the the Legion. I forgot what that animated series was called. That was one that my daughter and I we just we never got to for some reason. I think because you know she didn't watch a lot of TV, and we mainly watched TV on the weekends, like on Saturday and Sundays. We'd wake up early. You know, we would watch just a couple episodes of something, and there's just so much to, to choose. And you know, I would usually let her choose what to watch. And, you know, then we, she started wanting to see, like, Batman Beyond a lot. And and there's just, like, you know, Adventure Time and just so much other stuff to, to watch that we when the, that Superboy show came on, it just, it was, there's just too much. But I, I am curious. I would like to, to watch that. I think that's on HBO Max. I should check that out sometime. But, of course, I need time to, to do that. So we'll see. Matt Reeves had some things to say about the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. And he says that, you know, the, the fact that they use a Nirvana song in the trailer, you know, something in a way that wasn't just a coincidence or whatever. When he writes, he says that he, he tends to have music like on it. It kind of inspires him or, you know, sets a mood or something like that. And he kind of sees Bruce Wayne kind of, it's, it's sort of like inspired by Kurt Cobain as a kind of like a, like he kind of sees Bruce Wayne as like Kurt Cobain in a, like a decaying manner, you know. And he's, he said like you know Robert Pattinson, he he's a type of act. He could he could sort of look like a rock star and also kind of have that like like a recluse feeling or whatever. And I think Robert Pattinson even said that you know Bruce has been kind of hiding away, and Alfred might even think that he's like insane and stuff like that. So that, that's interesting to think of. Kurt Cobain, like you know Bruce Wayne is kind of like Kurt Cobain, where you know, and and the idea is. Where you're like this big famous person, but then you're just like, uh, you're not all about the media and the attention because, you know, Kurt Cobain, you know, he, yeah, he, he was in a spotlight. He put himself in a spotlight, but it's not like he craved it. You know, he didn't really care, it seemed like. So we have all that. That'll, that'll be interesting. Um, have you listened to the Marvel podcast? Uh, so they're, they're doing a Wastelanders Black Widow podcast. So the, there's, they're doing the, the Wastelander comics. You know, last week we had, Old Man Logan. This week we have uh, Old Man Hawkeye, and they're doing a Black Widow issue. 
I don't know if that's, I can't remember if that's the next one or not, but they're doing a, a podcast and Susan Sarandon is like taking a lead. I, my, my question is like how long, I, how many, like how many episodes are these podcasts? Cause I, I haven't listened to them cause I, I don't have time to listen to them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see what, what, what I know. They, I think they've done like a couple other ones. They did a didn't they do a Wolverine one? But anyways, you can if you're a fan, if you listen to them, if you know what I'm talking about, you can check it out. Or if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can still check it out. So it starts on January 10th, and it's going to be exclusive to Sirius XM, and it's also available through the Marvel Podcast Unlimited. I'm not really sure what that that is. I don't know if that's something you have to subscribe to, maybe. But then. It will appear, after the episode appears exclusive, it will appear a week later on, I guess, other podcast sources, channels, whatever, wherever you get your podcasts from. So we'll have to see about that. I'm, I'm curious about the XM thing, because, uh, you know, my, my wife has XM in her car. And so I wonder, it's like, how do you, do you have to, like, tune in at a certain time? It's like, oh, tune in, you know, at... 8 a.m. and you know you can listen or do they just constantly play the same thing you know i, I have no idea because I, I don't know how that would work it would seem like you're oh i'm gonna go you know on a road trip to a friend's house or whatever and then you come in and, and you miss like the first 10 minutes you're like dang it now then you still listen or yeah i don't know how that, that would work so maybe you know and uh yeah um, in comic news, I'm trying to think what else. There, there's a, a few previews and stuff that came out, but one that, that kind of caught my attention was uh, there's going to be a new Punisher comic. So Jason Aaron, Jesus Saiz, and Paul Azaceda are, are going to be working on it. It's 13 issues. I think they're, they said it was like a, not a premium format, but like a, not just like a regular comic. For, I don't know what that means now. The main thing is, uh, if you look at the preview pages, Punisher has like a new logo and he doesn't have it on the, on the cover. He's got his regular one on the cover, but the one inside, it's kind of weird. It's almost like has either really big pointy eyebrows or like horns or something. And I think, I don't know if it's official official or it's just speculation that Marvel's trying to change the logo because of all the, the intense people, like the, yeah, I'm at a loss of words. Where you have like law enforcement agencies, whatever, brandishing the Punisher logo under uniforms that somehow you just you can't do that. You know, I feel for Frank Castle, but what it comes down to, you know, Frank Castle's fiction. So if you have a character who goes out and guns down, you know, drug dealers or killers or whatever, you know, it, it's fiction. So it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, we can distance that. In no ways should that be a reality. Because, you know, there's always a, you know, benefit, you know, the person being innocent and, you know, wrong place, wrong time or set up or who, who you know, one person, it's for the courts to decide. And, and yeah, the courts, the jury system is not perfect, but, you know, you can't just have someone going around shooting the place up and, and hoping that they get it right. And for like a, a police officer to take the logo, I mean the thing is Frank Castle he he's a he's a little he's a little unhinged he's he's not you know he had a very traumatic experience and and you know who wouldn't be traumatized by seeing your wife and children gunned down in a park by you know mobsters or whatever 
So yeah, of course he's he's going to be unbalanced. So he's not necessarily making the best decisions. And for someone in law enforcement to say, yeah, we're going to model ourselves against this guy who's basically a murderer, you know, vigilante murderer. Is there really a difference between what, what he's doing? He's killing these people. Yeah, he's he's not he's not an executioner. You know, there is no legal executioner, whatever. So Marvel might be just like, man, we're we're tired. We're just gonna change the logo, which I think is is kind of bad in a way because the the Punisher logo does look cool on the Punisher. You know, for a comic book, for the visual, it looks cool. The new one just looks weird. You know, and and yeah, they could have tried doing something a little different. And the the reason he did it is the same reason you know supposedly Batman had the yellow emblem. You know, it was because of the, he was wearing a Kevlar, you know, not necessarily vest, but like under his costume, where that made the target. You know, if, if Punisher is going going on his mission, he doesn't want someone shooting him in, in the head or like hopefully not like in the arms or legs. So it's like shoot him in the chest; it's going to hurt, but he, he's going to survive that. But man, of course, you know people are going to ruin it for for everyone. And then the last bit of news, which um, and of course here again, I, I thought his news was going to be shorter, but nope. Uh, th- th- I there's a rumor, and I I I don't believe, I don't buy this. Um, I haven't seen anything official, but I I was going through the pesky uh, Facebook news. Man, I know people have have things to say about Facebook, but I've been uh, I've been checking out the Facebook news just because it's like showing me like these other sites that I would never go to, and I don't really click on. But there are some that I, that I do click on because like uh, like I think I've seen like Cinema Blend in there or Slash Film, you know, and I I consider them reputable sources. There's some others. There's a one certain site that it's like all they do is uh, it seems like they just complain about things or they just they take like this defensive nature and I, I don't know if it's just a rile things up you know trying to get people like angry so they comment and if, if so that's a that's a, a a crappy tactic to try to get page views to, to kind of like crap all over the fandom or whatever because you know not everyone's going to feel that way and and i feel like some people intentionally do that anyways so there people are saying that toby mcguire spider-man 4 is in the works and while I think it would be cool with the idea of the multiverse, we could easily do why not do re- reboot or revisit, not reboot, why not revisit the, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man franchise? And at the same time, I feel like more so than that, I would love to go back and revisit the Andrew Garfield uh, timeline. Um, I actually I, I wanted to watch Amazing Spider Man last night instead of Scott Pilgrim, but. My my internet was was acting up, wasn't cooperating, so I couldn't stream it properly with the best resolution without having it like stop and everything. And and who know? I think I know where my Blu-ray disc is. It's they're not organized. I have a good idea. It wasn't super accessible. It would have been a pain to move some things around. So I I end up watching Scott Pilgrim. But I I feel like Andrew Garfield. You know, after hearing some of the things, how it was just wasn't a good experience, and I I feel like. He, he deserves a chance. And, you know, who knows if he even would want to. But I, I, I feel like it would be great to revisit that world to, to see what would happen. But in uh, Spider-Man 4, because it was supposed to come out in May 2011. May 6th is was the, the tentative release date for that. And I think Sam Raimi had plans for the lizard because, you know, we saw Kirk Connors in all the movies. And, then, you know, finally we, we saw him in Amazing Spider-Man. 
one, two, I don't remember now. But I think Bruce Campbell is going to have a bigger role. And I think this was the rumors of John Malkovich being the vulture. I think there's even rumors of like Anne Hathaway playing Black Cat. But none of that. And we wouldn't have to do all that. Obviously, you know, if they want to do a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 4, it could be more so like, what is he up to now? You know, what has he been doing? And, uh, you know, it could be interesting. You know, does he have back issues, you know, from, from just swinging around and, and just all the injuries? So it could be it could be cool to do that. And, you know, if, if we're getting the Batman and Michael Keaton Batman and Ben Affleck Batman, you know, if, if we... And plus the, the fact that Marvel is saying there is a multiverse why couldn't we do separate separate movies and you know it so we could do a toby mcguire spider-man it doesn't have to be the, the mcu proper but it could be you know it's its own thing so i i think that would be cool but who knows so yeah i i, I googled it i didn't want to click on the one source because i was like i don't do not trust you the one or trusty sources um maybe they do have a trusty source or whatever i just don't get like who who benefits from from leaking this stuff out like okay i'm gonna give you some information you can talk about it but just don't say my name and there, there i mean unless you you're you're friends with someone that you want to help out their outlet there's there's really no no reason for that and yeah i'm thinking back when i've been given information but it was it was always an understanding you know whether it was spoken or unspoken i i wasn't going to tell anyone you know i, I wasn't going to post it all over because that's not what i did and i i don't necessarily believe in that i don't like the idea of spoilers even though some people love spoilers for whatever crazy reason i just don't see why someone would risk their career to give out information and i and even like why are people leaking stuff out unless you're just so bitter that you want to like why would you want to screw something that that you know so many people are working hard on and you know maybe you're feeling unhappy unsatisfied or overworked or something like that so you're gonna like sabotage the whole product or project and all the work that you're doing let alone all the work that everyone is pouring into it it just i just don't understand i mean maybe it's someone like hacking whatever you know computers or phones or you know somehow they're getting some in the elusive hackers right <laughs> i don't know but i i think that is plenty for this week extended news even though i don't know how that's the news for this week all right let's see how did i do with comics this week so gunslinger spawn number three came out uh supposedly i still haven't read that because I, I don't know I, I i still want to i have the the three issues and so maybe some someday i'll read it but like i said i'm just i feel like i'm so far detached from spawn and and i think i don't think it was this one Maybe it was Kingsman. I think maybe it was Guns, Gunslinger Spawn where they mentioned something with Spawn. I was like, oh, I have no idea what's going on, so I'm not going to read this right now. And then I just didn't. But if you are reading that, you can uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear if you are you know, enjoying it. Like, should I read that? Can I read that without having read the last however many decades of Spawn comics? Radiant Black did come out, number 11. And this, this was an interesting issue. So... Uh, Radiant Black, our, our, our main character now, his, uh, let's just say his buddy was in a coma and everything like that. And, you know, he, he ends just trying to save him, goes around to the whole thing, weird things happen. And, you know, he's like in the, so Radiant Black's like in this other, like kind of dimension things, whatever. When he comes back, 
something happened you know there there's like there's like a time like where was he at all this time like he was like just missing for a while so that that causes a little bit of, of trouble then he goes off with uh one of the other um i don't know what what you call them because you know there, there's different people with these powers and everything like that so it was a it was a good issue i i, I like that um just how there's just some awkwardness with um like when his his, his buddy coming back and and I, I i just really like all that that's being set up here so it's it's a it's a good book. You should be checking it out. Um, I'm sure there's one trade out. There'll probably be another trade coming out soon. So you should definitely be reading that. A righteous thirst for vengeance. So this is a Rick Remender, um, Andre Arahu uh, comic, and uh, this <laughs> this this book. So our our main character here, as uh, you know, he's. You know, I feel like I need to read the first issue because so we have this this dude and he he's a good guy, but he somehow gets involved with some like shady stuff and he's you know he's trying to do the right thing. So in this issue, we see this uh this dude. I, according to the synopsis, he's the mayor. He's a mayor, so he's a big, powerful, shady, um, scummy guy, and the, he has this, this woman is like a target, so he wants her. I think he wants her killed. And uh, so our main character is like, he went on the dark web and took on this job. I think he's posing as like someone else. And they're like about to kill her. And he's just like, wants to try to put a stop to it and everything. And, and you know, things get a little messy and everything like that. So it's just, uh, just when you see it's like happening, it's like, holy crap, is he just going to sit there? He's like, is what's what's happening and everything like that. So it's, um, it's definitely, uh, I, I don't know if I would necessarily, I mean, it is a little suspenseful, but it's not like a total edgy or seat, but there's just something it's, it's almost like a little uncomfortable suspense. You're like, Oh man, what, what is he going to do? What can he do? And, and then, you know, things start getting heated up and everything like that. So, so that, that I like that, that Texas blood issue 13 came out. I keep, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep mentioning every time it comes out. Cause someday I'm determined. To, I, I like the first, I think it's two issues I read and maybe it's a third issue I, I didn't read yet or something like that, but I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, and then Time Before Time, issue eight came out. I'm, I still need to get caught up on that as well. So you, you can check that out. Um, let's see, was there anything at Boom? I don't think I read anything, but that doesn't mean anything. Oh man, House of Slaughter, issue three came out. I should have read that. that that's the one book that I, I'm reading. So um, that's a good comic. You should read that as well. House of Slaughter and um something is killing the children those are, are are great books so you should definitely be checking those out oh i do want to, i should mention i i totally am oblivious but uh a couple of the what are, what are they the fine jacket new jacket uh the scott snyder books a couple of more of them came out uh clear that's a francis manipul book drawn by Francis Manipal, and A Night of the Ghoul, which is a Francesco Francavilla. The problem is, issue three of both of them came out, and I only read the first issues. I, I enjoyed those those first two issues. My little personal problem is, I, I because they're comiXology original, and I only mainly use comiXology for DC, and... You know, it's, I just go straight to the, like the DC section. Marvel, I read like on the Marvel app. So at, when I look, open up Comicsology right now, I see do see them in the, in the front front upper corner. But I totally missed when when the second issues came out because I would have read them. You know, uh, I, I clear 
had a very um it was an interesting setup but it had a, a very very interesting like cliffhanger it's like oh where's where this gonna go and in night of the ghoul i i was really intrigued with that and i think francesco francavilla's art in that was was really really good i i normally i always love his art but there's something like particular that issue i thought was was really good and uh and then you know there, there's other ones there's a greg capullo one i still haven't read that so i just feel like I don't know. Maybe it's maybe because I'm not signed up for press releases, or I'm not getting any. Uh, so it's like I didn't even know when the second issues came out. So I feel bad that I didn't read those and I didn't talk about them. But but also, I kind of wonder. And, and and it's not something like for for Scott Snyder and, and team to worry about. But I feel like when there's so many books that come out, I mean, like Marvel had so many that came out this week putting two books out it's like there's a lot of competition so you're you know you're asking readers to, to choose with their wallets and and maybe you know the scott snyder fans are gonna be like you know you're my number one you know you get up my money no matter what but it's just it, it seems because I, I i get when they they may put out you know try to schedule like if, if these are physical books i could see release them on the same day you know, you're going to the comic shop, like, oh, I'm going to pick up this. Oh, I'm going to pick up this too as well, since some people don't go to the comic store every week. So it, it might be, might make sense. Because there's, there's someone else that, I, I forgot what it was, there, there's someone that like had book at two different publishers and they came out like the same day. It was, it was like an image book and a Marvel or something. I don't know what it was. But it just, I don't know how if, it, if it's, to me, I would be a little, if, if I, you know, trying to re afford all these comics and then saying oh here's like two more books i need to add now rather than have it spread out a little more you know rather than come out the same week have it come out you know week after week i don't know that that's just that's just my my thoughts on that but you know whatever it's just my opinion like like always but at dc so i i didn't read those yet i i i should i should have read those like instead of watching scott pilgrim but i needed needed a, a break at DC, we had Nightwing 87, and this is a, a great series. I, I love what, what's going on here. Tom Taylor is brilliant. He's a brilliant writer, and it, it seems like I've, I, everything he's been doing, I've just been loving. So, you know, he, that that's great. That's awesome. Bruno Redondo's art is, is, is fabulous and everything here. And then the colors are just, you know, you just even looking at the covers, like just so vibrant. You know, I, I love that they, they use uh, like purple, like, you know, or like the, the deep blues and stuff like that. So if you look at like some of the past covers. So it's really cool and everything. Now, this um, issue, it tells that the story, it takes place like, um, like a, a, in one one continuous image is what, what what they say, and that's cool. I mean, it is an interesting book, and it, you know, you, you see how it happens or anything like that. I don't want to. I really don't want to knock knock this book at anything, but it does kind of feel like a gimmick. And if it's just something you want to do once in a while, awesome, that's great. But I I can't help but but think about 2010. <laughs> Uh, Mike Allred did this in, in Madman Atomic Comics issue, I think it was issue nine, and that felt more like one one panel. But here, because you know you have like multiple like night wings on the same page, because you're supposed to try to show the, the action of him moving across. So it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, but even so, like you know, Madman, it wasn't quite the same. You know, because if if you laid out the pages, you know, you would get multiple of the same character. But the 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 main 
problem that I have with this idea is it makes a comic go a lot faster. It's it's a faster read. Even though there's a lot of dialogue in this Nightwing comic, you know, it's Nightwing talking to the Barbara Gordon and everything like that, and then you know she meets up with them and Durander Case and um, but it's it even so it's still when I read it it's like and you know I'm I'm looking out there's a lot of detail and, and you know cool stuff to, to check out, but a lot of it is just background detail. You know, as they're going through a city, you know, going through a building, and you're seeing all this other stuff. So it's not really a main focus of the action. It's just like, you know, check it out if you want. You know, what are these people doing? What's this car doing? You know, so it, it was cool and everything like that. I just, I hope it's not something that we see too often. And and I, I do feel like, you know, Mike Allred should get a nod for doing it too. You know, was Mike Allred the first person to do it? I don't know. It's the first time I remember seeing it, but when I heard about this, that's the first thing that, that came to my mind. So I, I feel like, you know, I love Mike Allred. I, I love Madman. I, I feel like that should get some acknowledgement as well that, yeah, so whatever. I, I mean, I, I'm sure Night, the Nightwing team's not saying, like, we're doing something new here. It's just doing something different. So as cool it is, as this ish comic and everything was, you know, I do feel it, it's kind of like a gimmick. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, mix things up once in a while, you know, to give some appeal. It's just kind of like the X-Men Unlimited comic that was announced that is coming out, I think, in March. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, Declan Shelby. So this was available on the Marvel Unlimited app because, you know, they have comics on there. And that was kind of a similar thing, but that's more like a vertical, um, like continuous panel. So you'll be able to read that in print because it's only been available on the Un- Unlimited app. So the same thing there, you know, it's it, um, that that felt like a fast read as, as well. And it's, so it's not something that I want to see all the time. It's it's cool to mix it up. Does that make sense? Catwoman thirty eight. Um, did I read this? I can't remember if I read. We had a lot of Catwoman this week. Catwoman thirty eight. You know, I'm I'm just basically skimming through this series just to you know kind of see what, what's going on and i thought i read this but i i honestly can't remember what what happened in, in here but then there is a batman catwoman issue nine i'm just not digging this the story uh you know it's, it's interesting you know seeing liam sharp's art here even though you know this was supposed to be tom king and clay man whatever uh but the 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 problem I'm having with this is you know with, with the multiple timelines and just like the flip flopping back and forth and part of me is just like I I'm I'm kind of losing I've I've lost interest you know a few issues back you know if I'm being honest yeah I'm I'm not really sure if the use of like phantasm it was necessary here and like something that I think happens in this issue is like I even even so what I what I read here is like did that did I, did I read that correctly what happened and maybe it's pretty obvious but I almost feel like maybe that couldn't have happened and just this like strange relationship between or not a relationship but like whatever um interaction between Catwoman and Joker just doesn't make any sense and i i feel like i'm totally missing anything i don't understand why she would tolerate him for all this time you know and because it's, it's almost like they were friends you know when they're like hanging out even though you know it would tick off bruce wayne batman whatever i, I just I, I just i don't know where where this is going and, and i feel like 
it, it, it feels like this is a long series. It, it's just been going on, you know, even though it's issue nine. And I'm just wondering, like, what, what the outcome, where this is going. What I did love, and I really feel people should be reading this, and I think I feel like some people might be like overlooking this just because it's a black label book or whatever, and maybe it's you know slightly higher price tag. But Catwoman Lonely City is worth checking out. You know, it's it's fifty two page book. You know, it's, it's over fifty pages. It's you know the the premium format, whatever. Cliff Chang doing the the, the art and the writing, and so if the, the first issue came out October nineteenth. And uh, this is this is just a fabulous book. I mean, I love this. I, I know a lot of times I, I complain about continuity and the, the where it's not clear. This is a Catwoman older. This is an older Catwoman story. And I feel like I'd much rather read about this older Catwoman than this older Catwoman we, we're getting in Batcat. And I, it's not really fair to compare the two because I, I don't like doing that. But this was just really good where, you know, Catwoman's been in prison for for a while, uh, I don't know if I should say why. Did, did they say why? Because um, I, I don't know if it's a spoiler. It might say it in the first one. So the, the summary for the first issue says: Ten years ago, the massacre known as Fool's Night claimed the lives of Batman, the Joker, Nightwing, and Commissioner Gordon, and sent Selina Kyle, the Catwoman, to prison. You can see that, and then it's it's so it's interesting seeing her come out like out of jail ten years later. And where things have changed, like who the mayor is of, of Gotham, who's running against the mayor, and just different things like that. We're, we're seeing some familiar characters and, you know, Catwoman. She's older. You know, she's uh, not like she's going to be, like, jumping around rooftops all the time. And, you know, she's got knee issues or whatever. And so I, I think this is a, a really fabulous book. And, and Cliff Chang's art is, is just really great. And I highly, highly recommend that you read that <laughs> of all the Catwoman books, that, that's my favorite one. Then we have a Superwoman, uh, Super, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow issue six came out, and yeah, there's. I'm still waiting. It's like, are we gonna get anything about crypto? Is crypto alive or is he? What's going on? Uh, Nubia and the Amazons. Um, I read the first issue and I I, I was okay with it. I kind of liked it. I don't know if I read the second. I kind of skimmed through this one. And I just, it, it didn't pull me in right away. So I was like, right away, I was just like, it's the way I'm, where I'm at these days, I, I feel like I'm being really picky with comics. And I don't know how that's coming across. I, I know I should be reading more to, so I can talk about more. But I'm also kind of looking at it where I feel like my time is limited. And, you know, because I, I complain about having to read so many books. And I, I know that's not fair to the books because, you know, each book should be looked at on its own. But I'm also looking at it where, since I have a finite amount of time, if the book doesn't grab me right away, I I can't give it what little time I have. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to either not read it or skim through it or whatever and, and read something else that I enjoy. So I'm, tr I'm trying to focus on books that I enjoy, but also I'm trying to cover books that I feel like you all want to, to hear about. So... I, I do want to read. I, I feel like Nubia and Amazon's is an important, kind of important books. You know, I, I I'm glad that it exists. I feel like we should have this, but it's just not not necessarily that there's like the politics of, of Themyscira or anything like that. But I'm just yeah. So maybe I'll I'll visit that some at some point. Refrigerator full of heads issue three. 
Um, so I, I did like, uh, what was the other basket full of heads? I love that series. I thought that was great. Refrigerator full of heads hasn't been quite the same, even though it's basically like a, a, a spinoff or sequel or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I, I, it started losing me a little bit more in the second issue. And this third one, I just was really, I'm, I'm almost at the point where it's like, I don't know if I want to read the next issue. It's just not that it's absurd or just, it just like, it just feels different. And I, I, there is a different writer, you know, so it, that that's fine. But I don't know. It's, it's just, it, it feels like things are just escalating quickly. Part of, I think one of the problems I have where, so, so what's, what's going on here? There's like this old like ax and, and it's like kind of like a mystical ax or whatever. Someone gets their head chopped off. The head is still alive. You know, even though it's attached from the body. So hence the refrigerator full of heads, a basket full of heads and all, all that. So this one biker dude got his head chopped off and he's determined to make his way back to his boss or whatever. So you have a severed head trying to roll and just climb through, just try. It's just, it's, it's too, too absurd that it would happen. And yeah, so and spoiler, the head does end up making it back to where it wants to go. So it's like that's just it. It seems a little, little, little too much to me. Like almost like ridiculous, but whatever. I mean, you for the sake of the story, it makes sense, I guess. But whatever. Justice League Incarnate Issue Two. This um, I'm having a hard time with this. Uh, there's there's this big field, you know, that we saw in the first issue. And, you know, we get this idea to multiverse and everything. But, again, for me, we have characters that I, I'm not fully attached to. You know, even though we have, you know, Flashpoint, Thomas Wayne, Batman, and President Superman, there's just, like, some other characters that I just I'm, I just don't care about. And I the fact that you're going up against Darkseid again, you know, and this is, like, super Darkseid, you know, whatever, from all the multiverse combined. I don't even know what's going on. And, Oh, and then um, what? What really, what really did it for me? That's just like ugh. Uh, and it's it's mentioned in the synopsis, so it's not really a spoiler. But we are introduced to the Batwoman who laughs. Right when I got to that panel, I was just like, I was ready to, to shut down, close that comic, remove from iPad. You know how I feel about the Batman who laughs. You know, it was an interesting concept in the beginning. I just felt it was way too overused. Not an original character in my sense. You know, it's just basically, what if the Batman got Joker-fied or whatever you want to call it? You know, what if we combined Batman and Joker? It's, you know, it's it's not something original. It was just, like, so overused. On top of it, when we had just had, like, so much Joker. And Joker is a character that we should see, like, maybe once a year, if that. You know, he's he's better... I remember when we used to hardly ever see the Joker, and then it's like it's like everywhere. He he's a, a great character. He's a great villain for Batman or whoever. But when he's overused, it just he loses. Not that he has any charm, but it's just it just waters him down. So I, I just oh, Batwoman who laughs. No, thank you. Um, Batman One Dark Knight issue one. So this is a book. Um, this is like almost like a 50 page book it's written and drawn by jock so if you want something a little different this this is an interesting book you know jock always brings a certain 
I don't even know the vibe that he creates and everything like that. So it's it's really interesting to, to see what what he's doing here. There uh, got so so people want to transport the supervillain known as EMP from Arkham to Blackgate Prison, and like Gordon's like he's like that's not a good idea. We shouldn't do this. It's too risky. But it's happening, and of course, things aren't gonna go too smoothly. You know, Batman's like on scene trying to, you know, monitor this and, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so things things get dark, literally, because the one dark night. So, um, it, it, but it, it was a good book. Then, uh, what else do we have? Was, it, was that it? I feel like there, there's something else that came out. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't know. I, it looks like that was it on the DC app. At Marvel. We had Amazing Spider-Man 82. So Saladin Ahmed wrote this. And the art was by Jorge Fornes. And the art had this like kind of like a retro feel to it. And, you know, the art and color. I, I really, really liked it. And because, uh, you know, Peter Parker actually looked like Peter Parker. Because I, I feel like modern Peter Parker doesn't quite look like classic Peter Parker. And I'm not saying that, you know, Peter Parker has to look like John Romita, you know, seniors version of peter parker who was his hair was always kind of interesting whatever but you know we we have you know, spider-man so spider-man is semi-awake you know in the hospital peter parker and but there's something shady happening in the hospital and he's still recovering he's still like super weak you know he can't get out of bed even though if you look he looks like he's out of bed on the cover no that doesn't happen but it, it's a uh, interesting that he's kind of at the mercy of like what's going on and um then mary jane's actually takes on like a bigger role you know so i thought that was uh, of course like incredibly awesome so this this was a a, a good book not a not a, there's no like no ben riley stuff so it's kind of like a little segue a little pause um and uh we don't get like the the beyond stuff here so it was it was good that while we you know we have all that beyond and ben riley stuff happening but let's not forget about peter parker you know because he's he's not dead you know he's he's trying to recover so there are so some interesting things there so i i, I like that issue okay then we have avengers 51 this is is tying to avengers forever issue one i don't know how i, I feel about these books if I'm, I'm being honest so what we saw i think it was on the last issue we have the the brotherhood of what are they called the brotherhood of evil but it's like a a different brotherhood of, of evil because they're across the multiverse and i thought that they're mentioned i'm not seeing it in here in this anyways so it's like this big big stuff is happening and we're, we're seeing some some big big things happen you know going against the basically the the avengers are going to have their hands full is what it comes down to as as they start uh fighting these other multiverse characters it's not like a fight that they're they may might be used to and you know because we have i don't really want to spoil things but you know there's like this other phoenix there and one of the things that's, that's a little annoying is is thor is like he's really upset at the idea that who he thought was that that he's he's upset at the idea that Phoenix might be his mom instead of Freya or Frigga, whatever her name is, and and so it's like he's just like it's almost like he's throwing a tantrum 
she's her sulking. And it, so then when Maya comes, he's like, Maya's not an Avenger. She shouldn't be here or whatever. You know, I don't want to talk to her. Keep her away from me. And it's like, dude, just w- whatever, relax. And I mean, that's just how it is. And 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 even if, f- f- her name is Frigga, right? I don't know why I'm blank. Even if she's not his birth mother, I mean, she raised him. Who, who Whatever, he needs to get over it. And so so we have some stuff with, with Echo. And I, I still don't know how I feel about her being an Avenger or being the Phoenix host, it doesn't make sense to me. And then her appearance here versus her series, miniseries, whatever, just feels different. So I don't know. And, and then uh, Avengers Forever, you know, this is Aaron Cooter art, which is, is really cool. You know, his, his art's very solid, and, you know, I, I really, really dig it. But this is, uh, it's basically like Elseworlds character. So we're, we're seeing, like, a if you look at the cover, um, kind of like the Ant-Man character. It's not Ant-Man, I'll just say that. And I don't think it's shown who it is. I don't want to... Um, well, I guess it is. Yeah, okay, it's in the synopsis. We have uh, the world's most wanted archaeologist, Tony Stark, the invincible Ant-Man. So we have him. So it's a different take on him, and it's a different world, and, and we're finding out about it, like what makes this so different and you know who, who is around in this world because you know not everyone is here. And then somehow Robbie Ray's ghostwriter, he he found himself here. He's you know driving in his his car with a deathlock and you know fighting these war machines. Uh, it's it's definitely something different, but it, because it's I don't know because it's like multiverse stuff. I almost it almost detaches me a little bit. You know it's it's fun to read every once in a while, and I know this is going to tie into like the main books. It is you know tying into the main books. But it's just hard for me to get on board fully. Uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm going to read it, but I'm just kind of like, all right, here we go. So we we have all that, and then um, Dark First Spider Man. I'm trying to remember if I read this. I think I I read this right. Oh, this one. Okay, yeah, I, I did read this. It's it's kind of weird. Something's happening, and things are becoming unraveled. Like people, so that's that's where it started losing me. See, what's it saying? The synopsis for this: uh, Spider trapped in a web of his own making. After reading from the ancient Darkhold, Spider-Man was meant to gain the power to enter the dreaded Chathan's dimension and stop him from spreading his mythic darkness across the globe. Instead, the book drove him insane. But what does that mean for stalwart Peter Parker? Okay, it doesn't say anything here. So basically, what, what what's happening is people and things are falling apart so spider-man has to like go around and like web things together and like there's like some guy who all of a sudden is like his arms off and his his jaws like falling off so he's like oh let me just go you know get your arm that you dropped here and you know web it back on you and and that solves <laughs> i don't know it's just these dark old books are they, they get a little dark and, and creepy so it's, it's just it's kind of weird and all that we have a uh, hawkeye kate bishop issue two I love Kate Bishop. I'm not loving the series. Maybe unfairly, part of me is is uh, comparing it to the Kelly Thompson series. Uh, I actually just read the I read the first issue. That's how ahead I am. I had time to read, although I could have so I could have read other things. But I was just like, I feel like reading that Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero, uh, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye book because it's such a good book. I highly recommend it. Um, it's on the Marvel Unlimited app, uh, you, so you can read that. But this this is a it, it's good to see Kate in action, and 
you know, she made it, or we got the discovery that she has a sister, an older sister, which just seems weird. So she's at this place and trying to, you know, uncover this scheme happening at this resort. So it's okay. It's, it's all right. Um, I, if it wasn't Kate and her, I, I wouldn't be reading it. Iron Man 15. Oh my goodness. This series, uh, Iron Man has become <laughs> the Iron God. So this is still continuing with the Korvac stuff. And I think they finally put an end to Korvac's uh, schemes. Uh, I just, I don't know what's going on here. Um, then we have, see, not this, I feel like I'm like old man on a porch, you know, get these comics off my lawn or whatever. Because I just, I'm having such a hard time just enjoying these books. And I don't know what, what it is, but like Kang the Conqueror, um, issue five i really liked the first issue you know i was really intrigued with it and like the second issue but then as, as i was reading as the series progressed i just started losing interest and king is not my favorite character and obviously after loki and you know what's whatever is coming up in the multiverse you know i eyes our eyes are on king to see like what's going to happen what are you going to do with them but i always um felt he was kind of a weenie like and my first time that i remember reading him was in secret wars and just seeing how he, he didn't have a big role in there and he was really just like shoved to the side like he was nothing but here that because the, the thing is you know king is is not a good guy and you know we're seeing this younger version of king who has good intentions and everything but then is he gonna turn into this bad guy and then there's this the stuff with ramona renslayer who is just kind of confusing in a, in a sense and um so I don't know. And then I'm still confused on the whole Nathaniel Richards angle and like what's that mean and everything like that. I don't know. Um, there was a King, to Con King Conan book that came out. Um, it's Jason Aaron and Mahmoud Asrar. I'm just I'm just not a big Conan fan. And I kind of skimmed through this to see if it was going to pick up where Savage Avengers uh, left off. It doesn't, which is, is probably for the best for, for this book. But it's just, um, I, I don't know, I'm just not a Barbarian fan. And, you know, no offense to anyone who is, but it's just not my thing. So I didn't really, I just started skimming through it. Moon Knight issue six. This was an okay issue for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be very picky with, with Moon Knight because I, I love the character so much. But he, uh, he kind of got caught off guard with someone who we thought was an ally that, that kind of turned on him. And, and, you know, so that, that was an interesting, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that, but just seeing, um, Moon Knight needs a little bit of help and, you know, he, he gets some help. He doesn't ask for it, but you know, someone gets it for him. So, so some progress is made with that, with, with Moon Knight and a certain character, but yeah, out, out maneuvered, outgunned and outplanned Moon Knight's mysterious enemy has strode out of the shadows to strike. And when this villain strikes, they strike true. At the mercy of a maniac, will Moon Knight die yet again? But there's one part he's like, he's like, yeah, go ahead and kill me. He's like, I'm just gonna come back. And like, when I do, you know, I'm gonna break your jaw off. Or, <laughs> but then part is like, like, oh no, are you gonna rip my face off or cut my face? It's like they they keep referencing that he did that one time. Did he do it more than once? If it's like, come on, let it go. <laughs> just get over that. Ms. Marvel, uh, Beyond the Limit. Um, this this was. This was okay, you know. I it it felt kind of like you know the, the Ms. Marvel series. Um, I like her portrayal here because I, I feel like in the Champions it, it almost doesn't feel quite like Kamala. So this is like closer to how 
I feel like it should be. Um, but as far as the story and stuff goes, it, it was fine here. And, and um, we'll have to see where this is going to go. Um, but yeah, it didn't blow me away. Phoenix Echo <laughs> Phoenix Song Echo Issue 3. I, I'm just... So we have Echo and this, this dude, um, what was his name, River? They're like going through time. They're kind of going through like her meeting up with her descendants. But it's like already when she saw her parents, her, I can't remember now, it was just last last issue. I don't remember if they were both killed or one of them was killed or mom was killed or something like that. So it's like, doesn't that mean she's going to fade out of existence? Because, you know, and the fact is this was you know when she came across them it was the night that they met and she's like oh i want to go talk to him because i you know i never had a chance you know to really talk to him or whatever so it's like you're you're interrupting the flow of things and yeah so i don't, I don't know um and we have forge coming after her it's like why is forge feel like it's his duty and and yeah we have the adversary so you know it's good to, for forge to be here but it's like he's taking it upon himself to kind of contain Maya just because she has a phoenix power and he thinks it's his duty. But it's like you're the police of all mutant powers because you took away Storm's powers at one point. So I don't know. I just feel like if anyone would be concerned, like, you know, maybe Jean Grey would have a closer connection to say, hey, you know, whatever. Um, Sword issue 11. Uh, some crazy things happen here. Abigail Brand. So... I don't really know what to make of her. You know, I, I've always I've always been interested in her character, but um, some big revelations here. And um, you know, we have Henry Guyrich and his plans to sabotage everything. Henry's always an, an annoying character. Um, he really gets put in his place here. It'll be interesting to see can he get out of this situation. It's almost like I don't think he can, but. We'll, we'll see what Marvel has plans. I, I almost feel like we're going to see him at some point later and there'll be like no acknowledgement of what happened here. It'd be like, oops, whatever. We forgot about that. Didn't happen. But uh, Abigail Brand makes some some big revelations like in her plans and stuff like that. And it's just like, uh, that's okay. Where, what does this mean now? Where is this going to go? Star Wars Darth Vader issue 19. So what's interesting about this is we we kind of you know we get some hints of like you know we see some like flashbacks where like anakin and padme talking and there's one part's like well you know what if you know we're on the wrong side of whatever and you almost see like darth vader kind of questioning some things the only the problem is i feel like we can't fully explore this this route because of where the book is contained in the whatever star wars timeline that you know he's He's trapped in, you know, doing certain things, but it was um, kind of interesting to, to see, like, what he does here. And then, you know, there's uh, some Crimson Dawn stuff you know, as well where, you know, they're trying to get to the bottom of all that. So there's some, some good stuff here. Venom, uh, issue three. It's not really a spoiler at this point or whatever, but supposedly, uh, let's see, I don't know if it says anything in here, but something happens to Eddie Brock. You know, what does that mean for Venom? What does that mean for the symbiote suit? And what does that mean for Eddie's son, Dylan, who is, you know, trying to... What, the thing that really bothers me about Dylan is he was... I felt like he was, like, like six years old or seven years old, and now he's he's almost like an adult. Like, he's, like, was he, like, 15 or something like that? It's like, how did he age so much? Uh, so, aside from that, it's just there's some... 
a lot of complications arising and there's some people there's i think we had like the life foundation isn't that what they use in the movie where you know someone wants to contain the symbiotes and everything like that and i don't like how everyone's like so aware of that because you know we had the the king and black storyline but it's like it's like would the average people i mean did noel announces his presence to worldwide on the news like i don't think people would know who noel is necessarily and and the fact that you have these aliens attacking and it's like does that necessarily make a you know confirmation that it's tied to venom just because they look alike i, I don't know so we have that but wastelanders hawkeye issue one so this takes place um, before Old Man Logan. Uh, what what's good here? Because we've seen some stories, you know, before with Hawkeye, where you know he's starting to lose his vision, and you know he's getting more to it here, and he's actually training with with uh, Daredevil, who's kind of like become Stick. You know, he's like the new Stick or whatever. And so with Hawkeye going through his training, I mean that that's that's good because the big question I always had is like, if Hawkeye, like, how blind is Hawkeye? That you know he he's driving the spider mobile, he's doing all this stuff, but you know he has like no vision, and uh, you know some this could be part of the the reason why it was a it was an okay issue, it, it was fine. Uh, I probably like this one more than I like the the old man Logan comic. I, I felt like this gave a little more um, insight into his character, you know, and who we see him become in old man Logan. So I I, I liked it because of that. Um, Wolverine issue 19 this basically Wolverine there, there's like some big creature in the ocean and he's going to go after it and yeah I, I just it didn't do it for me and then uh, X-Men the trial of Magneto um, is this the conclusion and uh, some big big revelations are made here some big things are, are happening we find out what happened you know why why did someone kill scarlet witch you know and how did she come back and you know what what does all this mean what really is happening here and i don't know when it's going to come out but it's going to change things for mutants there was an announcement this week about and one of the i don't remember what what x-men book is going to be but they're bringing back a long deceased X-Men character. And uh, that that's as part of a result of this. So on Krakoa, you know, mutants can come back, but it's not just like anyone can come back because, you know, part of it is there had to have been like a, a cerebro backup of their mind or soul or essence or whatever. So it could be reborn into their new body that they make and all, all that. So uh, thanks to some things that happened in this, trial of magneto which i don't even know why it's called trial of magneto i mean it's, it just seems like such a bad name but we're getting this just one character back and i don't really know how i feel about the character's return uh maybe you know part of it is i, I was never we didn't get a chance to become fully um attached to the character but i almost feel like some characters you know no one is is ever gonna die now it seems like because you know there, there's been just a few characters that would never return you know they're never going to come back never going to be resurrected and now it's, it's almost like everyone on that list has come back at some point so like no one is safe or well, i guess maybe uncle ben so don't bring uncle ben back they kind of have like with clones and stuff like that but 
So yeah, we'll have to see what this means, whether this is going to be a good thing or not moving forward with the X-Men, but we'll, we'll see. So not quite what I expected as far as like who killed her and, and all that. So we'll have to see where Scarlet Witch pops up next because I, I feel like there's there's definitely a lot that happened here that there's going to be repercussions from this or just follow-ups needed. But that is going to be comics uh, for the week. All right, then Dexter New Blood. Season one, episode seven. I just, I really don't know if this is intended to be just a one-off season. I don't know if they're hoping to have more, more, more seasons. Or, I, yeah, I really don't know. But as of now, I think it's just a one. And yeah, who knows? With this episode, we we get more into uh, Clancy Brown's character, and and there's just times we seeing him just the way he he carries himself, where he talks to people and stuff like that. I'm just kind of like remembering back to my the time i interviewed him it was for uh superman batman uh, public enemies and he just he was not happy with me uh, and it's just you know he's he's getting asked dumb questions from you know a bunch of knuckleheads or whatever like me but that's what we're there for you know we're, we're trying to promote the movie you know to his his job or you know whatever and uh so yeah he I, I don't know if he was just messing with me or whatever, but it's like, hey, I'm interviewing Clancy Brown. I'm not going to back away from this. I just felt like, you know, maybe he wanted the interview to be over, but, you know, I was given this time. And and it's just so just, just the way he, he carries himself, just the way he was like answering some of my questions just reminds me. So it almost feels like Clancy Brown isn't acting. He's like just being himself. Although I hope he's not just being himself here with some of the things that happened. So let's get into this episode. So it starts off, uh, you know, Angela and Dexter, they're standing at the cave. You know, so Angela called Dexter after she found, you know, um, a body in the cave of Iris. She says uh, um, there's an hour until Teddy comes back with the Calvary. So she needs Dexter Morgan, forensic expert um, from Miami. You know, he owes her. So he says that she's lucky that the cold kept the, the body mummified. Otherwise, it'd just be looking at bones. So he examines um, and, you know, and he's always like, you know, may I? You know, he's like asking for permission to do what he can. You know, because she like gives him some gloves and stuff like that. So he says that, you know, the body, Iris was shot from behind, probably with a rifle from a distance, which um, fits with what Kurt does. He says there's not enough blood there in the cave. So she was likely shot and dragged here. Um, he hesitates to continue. But she's like, no, go ahead. And then he's like, she was alive when she was buried. Uh, the weight of the rocks kept her down, but she tried to dig herself out. When he tries um, talking to her, um, you know, he's like, are you okay? She's like, I don't need your comfort. She's like, I just need something so I can take down the a-hole who did this iris. So he pries out a tooth and it looks like there's like human skin in there. So it's like she bit her attacker. Angela says, uh, that sounds like Iris. So Dexter says, it's a long shot, but she could send it in for processing. You know, there could be some DNA on there. He's like, you know, don't get your hopes up since, you know, it's been here a while. And Angela's like, yeah, 25 years. He says it's a small sample, and it, so it might not be enough to test against multiple suspects. She's like, well, I only need one. She's like, she says she has a theory. Um, then he, he tells her, he's like, well, you know, my, my sister used to run theories by me to see if they had any legs. And he's like, plus, you know, you know, I could keep a secret. So she thinks about it. And she's like, fine. She's like Kurt Caldwell. And, you know, he lied about Matt popping his head up. They found no trace of him besides, you know, Kurt's word. He wanted to call it the search right when they're about to come to the caves. So she, you know, and she's like, you think it's got legs? And he like nods. And she's like, thanks, Dexter. 
So Dexter wonders if she's right. Um, how many other victims are out there? You know, Angela, then we see her go to Iris's mom. So Miriam, I guess, is, is uh, Iris's mom, who was at the house one time watching, uh, um, not watching, but going to keep an eye on, on Audrey. So um, she goes there and, you know, you see her sob and, and they hug. We don't hear like what they say. We don't need to. Um, and then later at the house, Harrison comes out of his room. He's like a wet blanket. He's just ugh, this kid. Dexter's like, I made you some breakfast. So he like reluctantly sits and eats. Like, man, you are so lucky, you know, to get in these big like gourmet breakfasts, whatever. He just chows down. And Dexter's like, oh, they, you know, must be, you know, both be pretty hungry. And Harrison's like, I'm just trying to bulk up for wrestling. Then Dexter asks him what he has planned for today. And he's like schooled, like something like practice, whatever. And then he's going to miss dinner because it's his first day at the truck stop. And Dexter's like, he's like, you know how I feel about that. And Harrison's like, well, you know how I feel about that. Because he's like such a little jerk. He gathers up the toast and gets up. Like he doesn't even finish eating. He just leaves a plate on a table. Doesn't even like put it in a sink or anything like that. Uh, then, But then he turns around at the door. He's like, thanks for breakfast. And Dexter's like, you bet. Then uh, Deb says uh, Harrison is drifting towards Kurt and that Dexter should kill kill him. And Dexter's like, another loss would be too much. And then his secret would go with him because, you know, Angela's already gunning for him. And then she's like, yeah, good call. Leave it for the police to handle. She's like, what could possibly go wrong? And then you see like her where she got shots, like starts like blood starts like pooling up and everything. Dexter calls Angela later, um, tells her about Kurt's cabin and then they, they drive out there. So she's a little miffed. She's like, you're just telling me about this now? And he's like, well, it was Molly's decision not, not to tell you. And he's like, but after this morning. So he says that, you know, he heard them talk about Matt being up there. So he fouled just to make sure that Molly was okay. Uh, he says that Kurt was, you know, selling Molly an exclusive interview and then cut things as soon as he arrived. Angela says that, you know, she knows a town better than anyone. So how come she's never heard of this place? And Dexter says that you know he kind of forced his way in but the room was empty and but when they get there you know they see you know no, he should have mentioned the fact that there's like no clothes there's like no signs of anyone you know having been there or whatever but they find um like stuff has been kind of dragged like some something heavy he you know, so it looked like he moved stuff out of there so i don't know if it's like all the hospital equipment stuff or whatever um and then, then she's like, did you hear that? And he's like, you mean the sound of you not needing a warrant? So she shoots the padlock off the door. They go in the hallway, and you can smell bleach. So he's you know scrubbed the place already. They go in, inside the room. It's empty, totally stripped clean. Like the door is gone. The camera's gone. There's like, I think there's like a wire. The bathroom's gutted too. The toilet's smashed. It's like Dexter says that you know, only someone had someone something to hide would go to this extremes. So Dexter says that, you know, it's like Kurt's one step ahead. And she's like, no, he's not. He doesn't know that we found Iris. Dexter, Dexter asks if her case revolves around a 35-year-old sample that her boyfriend found illegally. And she's like, yep. And Dexter thinks that Deb might be right that, um, you know, he may have to, to kill him. Audrey walks past Harrison and Hall. Then he's like, hey, whatever. Um, he suggests coming over to hear some of the songs she's been working on. And she's like, it's probably best if, if she lies low because her mom's still like ticked at her. Then he's like, oh, I hope I didn't get you any trouble. And she's like, no, it's all good. Then he's like, um, he says that they should hang out because, um, you know, he likes her and he thought that she liked him. She says she does. But she's like, last night, you broke that kid's elbow. He's like, he tapped out and you kept going. Then Harrison's like, 
you know what? He's like, forget I asked. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be really busy anyways. And she's like, Harrison. And he just like walks away because he's such a, such a little baby about everything. Harrison, uh, you know, he gets dressed for washing the trucks. He's like in his, you know, suit up, you know, overalls or whatever, coverts, whatever you call it. Dexter drives by, sees him, um, goes inside a diner, gets a coffee. Harrison sees him for like, he's like walking by and he comes in. What are you doing here? And Dexter's like, he's like, I just want to show you my support. He's like, you know, maybe I was wrong about you taking the job. He's like, and, you know, the coffee ain't half bad. So whatever, he goes back to work before he gets in trouble. Then Kurt comes in, brings him a piece of cake on the house. He's, you know, because things are tense between them or whatever. Kurt says, you know, it's a horrible job, especially in the winter. But Harrison seems to want to be there rather than be at home. So it's almost like he's making a dig at, at Dexter. And Dexter says, he's like, yeah, Matt must have had the same problem disappearing into the night. So he's like just like throwing it right back at him. Then uh, Dexter asks if Molly got that interview. You know, he'd love to hear Matt's side of the story. And Kurt says, you know, there was a time where I thought you and I would be great friends. And Dexter thinks that they do seem to have a lot in common. Kurt says that, you know, he was really there for him when Matt went missing and let them use his home and land for the search. Dexter thinks except Kurt kills women and he kills guys like him. So Kurt says that, there was also that time outside a tavern when he picked him up. You know, it was like snowing that night, and he was going to drive himself. Was, and he, you know, that was crazy. He's like, it was almost like it was fate. Then Angela and Logan arrive, and Kurt's like, "Hey, Chief, what could I do for you?" And she's like, "Get up." And he's like, "Excuse me." And she tells him, and "She's like, you're under arrest for the murder of Iris." And he's like, "Who?" And he he plays like he doesn't know what's going on. And then you know, as they're taken away, he tells like the cashier, "He's like, oh, it'll be right. Just a misunderstanding." Outside, Harrison calls a uh, coach Logan. He's like, "What the hell?" And then he just like puts his hand up, like whatever. And then we see Kurt getting his like mugshot taken, fingerprinted, and all and booked and all all that stuff. So Molly comes into Angela's office, and she's like, "We effing did it!" <laughs> so she wants to record. You know, she puts the, direct, the recorder down because you know, she says they're a team. She's like, "You know, you should have called me and kept me in a loop." And Angela's like. She says, like, you kept me in a loop about Kurt's secret cabin, the one that you visited when you were interviewing him beside behind my back. And Molly's like, yeah. She just tries explaining. And Angela's like, you know, you could have blown up the whole investigation for what? An effing podcast? She's like, we're done here. And Molly's like, you're right, whatever. And she, so she gets up and leaves. Dexter texts Angela asking if Kurt's talking yet. Um, she doesn't really answer whatever. And he says that, you know, he hates the view from the cheap seats because, you know, he's just... He has no idea what's going on. Harrison finishes washing a guy's truck, and the guy's like, I have 20 if you'll help me move some cargo. So he's like, all right. So it's like, okay, what's he going to get into now? Angela questions Kurt. Um, he starts saying that, you know, this is all a mistake. He's never been involved with the murder, and deep down she knows that. And he's like, he says he has no idea who the girl is. Angela, she's like, now I know you're lying. She's like, you know, you were living in Iron Lake when Iris disappeared. So you must have seen the flyers because they were everywhere. She's like, I personally stocked them at the truck stop where you ate every day. And then he's like, oh, of course, this is your friend, the girl who ran away. So she cuts in asking, you know, she's like, what time did Matt call the night when he suddenly turned up? And he's confused. He's like, he asks why. And she's like, it's important. And he's like, I don't know. He's like eight or nine. Then she asks if he FaceTimed his cell or his computer. And Kurt's like, was like, well, I was at home. And she's like, your records show no incoming calls from Matt on your computer or your cell. She's like, in fact, there's no incoming calls from anyone on either line at all that night. And none at your office at the truck stop either in case you're going to try to lead me there. So she's like, Matt never called. And Kurt's like, he doesn't see how this is relevant. 
And Angela says, neither did she. You know, why would he lie? What possible reason could he have to fabricate a call with his son? You know, why call off a search if the missing person hadn't been found? Unless he knew where the search was going was going next, and he was so afraid that they'd find, or what they'd find, that he'd sacrifice his own son. So he laughs, and he's like, oh, that's an elaborate and well theory. And then she asks if he's ever been to the cave, and he's like, oh, sure, as a kid or whatever. And then she asked him how he got a scar in his hand. He's like, I work with my hands. So then he says, listen, sweetheart. He's like, I feel for you. And she says, uh, he says, that, you know, she was, her, uh, you know, Iris was a friend. She must have been devastated. So she's just looking for someone to blame. She's not thinking straight. You know, a mistake like this could cost her her job. So he says he's worried for her. Angela's like, you should be worried about yourself because she's like, we found DNA evidence on Iris's body that proves everything. They've tested it against his. And Kurt looks at her very calmly. Then he's like, I never consented to a sample. So she reminds him that they already ha gave him a swab. He's like, remember when we were looking for your missing, or is it, as you now claim, found son? She's like, it was a match. So he looks at her. He's like, I want to talk to my lawyer. So Harrison helps the truck dude carry out like a couple kegs or whatever. I don't know if they're kegs or pro. I think they're kegs, not propane tanks. Then he asks, the, the driver's like, you're Harrison, right? And he gives him this little envelope. He's like, give this to your dad. So then Harrison's like, okay. I'm surprised. You know, it's, it's like, is he going to open it? But he, I don't think he does. Harrison comes home. Dexter's making a fire in the fireplace. Harrison said he's going to go clean up. Then he says, uh, he, he, he tells Dexter, he's like, you can't just show up at my work like that. He's like, I can take care of myself. And Dexter's like, yeah, I know. And then Harrison remembers the envelope. He's like, one of the truckers, you know, gave it to me. He's like, I never saw him before, so he must have been one of Kurt's guys. He goes in a, in a bathroom or whatever in his room, and Dexter opens it. It's like a piece of, like, thin circular metal. So Dexter wonders, like, what is, what's Kurt's game? You know, what, what, what's up with this? The tribe arrive at Miriam's house. You know, they have food and stuff to pay their respect. Audrey and Angela are there to give her a hug. And she tells Angela, she's like, you have him now. Make him pay. So Dexter, um, then he goes out. He opens a gate to let some sheep go. Teddy gets a call um, that, you know, the lady sheep got loose again, that this other dude will shoot them if they end up on his property. So, you know, he goes out. Dexter pays Kurt a visit in the cell. Kurt hears him walking down. He thinks it's, it's Teddy. And he's like, no one here but you and me. So Kurt asks Dexter, he's like, how'd you get in? Dexter's like, he just says, stay away from my son. He's like, that means you, your employees, your minions or whatever, whatever the F they are. He's like, whoever gave Harrison that envelope. And Kurt's like, is that really why you're here? Curiosity? You want to know what was in that envelope? And he says that, you know, he's heard this before. Harrison's almost grown and he can't control him or me. Dexter says, he's like, don't you get it? You're the one behind the bar. You don't have any power anymore. Kurt says that this situation is temporary. Dexter says that, you know, he saw what he is with his own eyes. He's like, you think you can get rid of everything? He's like, something always gets left behind. And Kurt tells him that he's right. He's like, we can never erase all our sins. Not even fire will do that. Then he asks him if he remembers the night that he picked him up outside the tavern. He's like, funny thing is, when I got home, there wasn't snow on my jacket. There was ash. And Dexter thinks that he knows everything, but he doesn't. And then he's like, you know, titanium doesn't melt. So Dexter says, fascinating. Thanks for the science lesson. So Dexter gets in his truck, looks at the object. So I guess it's like a screw. And he thinks back to like this big scar Matt had, like when he delivered the rifle and he was like, you know, in, in the bedroom or whatever. And Kurt's saying how it was almost like fate that he picked him up. And Dexter thinks like he knows. 
so at home he thinks uh kurt sent it through harrison to make a point um he, that he has reach even from behind bars you know he knows that he killed his son and if it were dexter he'd definitely want revenge so harrison is headed to work dexter asks him if he needs a ride and harrison he's like he's about to say no but he's like just a ride and he's like you're not gonna give me any grief or whatever so he, he goes lawyer comes out and tells angela that against his advice his client wants to make a statement so she tells Logan to call the DA because you know she's going to want to hear this. Kurt's on camping film. He says his dad was drunk. He used to knock his mom around, and she'd get a restraining order eventually. She, you know, she packed up and left town, but she forgot to take him with. So after she left, his dad would take him on a road because he was a truck driver or whatever. He said it was cheaper than a babysitter, and he'd learn more than he would in school. So he used to pick up women, working girls. He'd bring them back to the truck when uh, Kurt was supposed to be asleep, and he liked to slap them around pretty bad because he's so angry, and he knew they'd never call the cops because even if they did, he'd be long gone. So we see a flashback to him as a kid uh, with runaway planks. So I think there's actually like a record player because <laughs> so that the song that Kurt keeps playing, you know, was was on there, and Kurt says that. Uh, he was just a little kid and he lived in fear that he'd, you know, turn the anger around on him. Angela says, you know, this is all very sad, but they're here about Iris. And he said that he had his own truck routes by then. Anytime their routes would overlap, his dad would insist that he buy him a meal. And he said that, you know, he owed, owed him or whatever. So that night they had dinner together. Afterward, he was gassing up his truck. And then that's when he saw her, you know, her friend Iris walking alone. So he saw her get in the truck with his dad. And Kurt says that, you know, his dad was in a foul mood. And, you know, he should have said something and stopped her. The flashback shows Kurt in the truck picking her up instead. So, you know, he's obviously lying. And we're seeing, like, what really happened. So she said she's headed away. He says that was the last time he saw her or whatever. But in the truck, Kurt says that, you know, it's like, it's rough out there. You shouldn't be alone. And she's like, well, I was supposed to be with my best friend, my ex-best friend. And he's like, he's like, well, I should take you home. And she like tells him off. She's like, screw you, whatever. And she's like, I'm not, I don't want to go back. And she tries opening the door and he like reaches for her to like to stop her, you know, because he's still driving. And that's where she bites his hand and he stops the truck. She gets out and you know, starts running and he's, he yells, he's like, I'm trying to help you. Don't you effing understand? And he takes out a rifle. She's running down the road. It has like laser sight and, and he just like stares. So he shot her in the back because it's like, what's the point? Like, why? You know, he didn't even do anything. So then in the present, he continues saying, you know, everyone in town said she'd run off, and he guesses he wanted to believe that too. Then he says, he did this. That that DNA you found was my dad's. And Angela says, she's like, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And he's like, sorry. He's like, you sh I should have said something. You know, I've been living with this. And she's like, you've been living with this? She's like, what about Miriam? What about me? And then the DA opens the door. Angela tells her that the test says there's, there's a 67% chance it's him. And the DA, the DA says that leaves a 33% reasonable doubt that it isn't him. It's more than enough for any jury to acquit. So L Logan gives Kurt his stuff back. Um, Kurt says, no hard feelings. He's like, it's your boss that owes me an apology. And Logan says, he's like, you know, we have to follow where the evidence points. He's like, it was a righteous arrest. And he's like, you know, they, they could have spared him the inconvenience if he would have come forward all those years ago then angela like walks in they kind of look at each other then he extends his, his hand out he's like sorry for your loss and she just like looks at him and she's like steps aside dexter thinks that it's a game of chess 
Kurt wants you to think that you're ahead, but you're not. So the screw is a loose end, and he hates loose ends. So he breaks into Kurt's office. Um, he says the surgical screws usually come in sets. So this is a good place that I need to look. He finds a similar envelope in a, in a drawer, like a little yellow envelope. Um, there's a check made to Elric something. El, uh, it's like for like $5,000. And he's like, you know, what, what's this about? Then when he exits the office, he hears a waitress tell a dude that he's like, oh, Kurt's been released. And, you know, she's like, I was so scared. So Kurt's like, yep. He's like, I'm going to have to kill him. So I'm not sure what the, the check was for. Like, what's going on? Uh, Molly finds Angela at the bar. Logan called her and said that she could probably use a friend. And she's like, I know I'm not, especially after what I pulled. But I figured, you know, someone was better than no one. So Angela's like, I was so sure it was him. You know, maybe it was a dad. And Molly says that she's learned that sometimes you get unsatisfying endings. What matters is that, you know, she did the work. She can't blame herself for anything else. Angela says that, you know, she was supposed to go with Iris. You know, she was ticked when she backed out. So if she went, Iris would still be alive. And Molly's like, no, or you'd both be dead. Angela thought, the, you know, finding Iris would make up for it all, but she doesn't feel any better. Molly says that, you know, she's not alone. Uh, she got some really creepy vibes from Kurt, uh, the kind of, that she tells her listeners to run away from as fast as they can. Angela says, but, you know, you didn't run. And Molly's like, I, you know, didn't have to. Luckily, Jim showed up just at the right time to save my butt, which is also kind of weird. She says that his excuse for checking out the cabin was weak. Angela says that, you know, he followed him there. And Molly's like, well, that's creepy. And Angela says he overheard them talking about Matt and, you know, something didn't sit right. Molly's like, that doesn't make any sense. She's like, you know, we were sitting at the bar and Jim was actually sitting at this table where they're at. She's like, so there's a couple dudes arguing at the bar. She's like, can you hear what they're saying? And she's like, no. Then And uh, Molly's like, unless... You know, because she's like, he was charging his phone. He left it uh, next to them while they're talking. She's like, he could have recorded them. And Angela asks, like, why would he record them? And she's like, F if I know. So it's like the, the fact that she would just automatically realize what, I mean, that just seems like a big stretch. Then she says, like, she's like, Angela's right. She's like, it's too weird. And Angela's like, you know, it was also um weird eating pie with kurt you know seeing him seeing jim eat pie with kurt after he knew kurt was his prime suspect but no it's like he was there because uh he was looking out for his, his son because harrison was there but you know angela doesn't think about that molly says that you know she's really confused kurt is creepy now jim she's like if he wasn't your boyfriend i'd totally do a deep dive but it's not like he's hiding anything from you but he is kurt sits in his truck he stares at Molly as she exits uh, the tavern, whatever. And he's just like, he's got this evil look on his face. Harrison's putting trash in a dumpster at the truck stop. Four wrestlers from the other school show up, you know, and they tell him that their captain is out for the season because of him. And now they're asked, like, how do you feel now, tough guy? Then Harrison pulls out a straight razor. He charges at them. He slashes one dude's like leather, Leatherman jacket, but it doesn't cut through because the arm is so thick. He calls him a psycho, and he goes to take another swing, but then Dexter grabs his arm. He's like, that's enough. And then the guys run, and then he's like, gosh darn it, leave me alone. That's what Harrison says. And Dexter's like, I can't. He doesn't say, gosh darn it, obviously. Um, and he's like, why? And Dexter's like, I just want to talk. He's like, why? So you can call me a psycho too? And then he's Harrison's like, F it. He's like, you were right. You were right before and you're right now. And Dexter's like, right about what? And Harrison's like, I'm effed up. He's like, I always have been. 
And Dexter's like, you're not. And Harrison says that, you know, he always has bad dreams, you know, nightmares. When he listened to that podcast, it all came flooding back. He's like, they weren't nightmares. They were real. And he remembers everything. It's like he was an infant. So how could an infant, I don't just, I think he was too young. Because at least with Dexter, he was older. He was like a toddler. But whatever. So Harrison says that he's so angry. He thinks about it all the time, hurting people. And he says that, you know, Dexter always knew, so that's probably why he left. And Dexter tries moving Tim, but Harrison runs. And he he goes out there. His his one friend Scott's driving by. He gets in. He's like, hey, can you give me a ride? And, you know, Dexter tries calling out to him, whatever. But he, he says, like, he's like, I was wrong. He's like, I have to tell Harrison everything. So he's about to get in his truck, but then in the, the window, there he, he sees someone behind him, puts, like, a rope around him, and you hear, like, the sound of struggle. So Kurt is having uh, one of his dudes grab Dexter. So Dexter's thing is like, yeah, I got to take out Kurt, but Kurt is still like one step ahead of him the whole way. And we know Kurt, but see, the thing is, would Kurt use one of his, you know, he's got to be really careful with how he does this, but I'm sure he doesn't care, especially if he thinks that Dexter killed his son, which he did. So we'll have to see. So things are, things are definitely heating up here. Things are, are getting intense. Um, Dexter's, he's oh, might have met his match because it, it almost seemed like Kurt was just kind of like a, a bumbling, you know, whatever idiot. But uh, apparently he's, he's got things, you know, planned out. And now it is sadly the time for the season finale. Of, I hope it's the season finale. I hope we get more of Hawkeye season one, episode six. So this is Christmas. So this was a great episode. It was like an hour and one minute. And I think I mentioned last last week where I saw someone say that this was like the longest Disney plus episode because usually they've been under. I think they've been all under an hour so it has an opening shot of kingpin he has like purple pants white suit jacket he has his cane his diamond cane so it's like they're going full-on comic book kingpin they're they're bringing him back like how he should be he meets with eleanor and he asks you know what can he do for her and she's she says that they've had a good relationship you know she's done what was asked and she's never asked questions and he's he says that that's what he'd expect when there's a debt he's like your husband owed owed a small fortune and she's like, and I've repaid it tenfold by now. And he's like, all the while doing pretty well for yourself. So like she said, you know, it's been a good relationship. So he's confused where she's headed with this. Eleanor says that, you know, she handled Armand like he asked. Her, her fiance is taking the fall for Sloan, Sloan Limited or whatever. But her daughter is home now and she's getting too close. And that's where she draws a line. So she wants to leave this business. And he tells her, he's like, now let's not be rash. And she says, like, she's like, I've been keeping an insurance policy. It's like copies of everything in a safe place. Fisk says in the spirit of the holidays, he's going to give her a minute to think about what she's starting right now. And she just says, I don't need a minute. And then she gets up. And you see his, his, he's like not, his face kind of like twitches a little bit. Like he's like really mad. Kate watches the video. So the, the, this whole meeting was like recorded by Yelena. So she sent this whole video. Um, she tells Clint that apparently her mom is the one who hired her. Uh, Yelena to kill him. Kate says it doesn't make sense. You know, her mom doesn't even jaywalk, and now she's working with the mob, and she killed Armand. So she gets up to uh, go talk to her, and Clint tries calming her down, and Kate tries calling her mom, but just gets a voicemail. So he says that she, you know she needs her help. You know that video, it's not good. The kingpin will will not take this lightly. He's gonna he's gonna react. And Kate says that you know this is her mess to clean up. So you know he Clint needs to go home, be with his family. He can still make in time for Christmas. And 
Clint's like, Kate, you're my partner. This kind of catches her off guard. And he's like, your mess is my mess. He's like, I'm not going anywhere until this is finished. So then Maya meets with, with Kingpin. Kazi's there too. Kingpin has a, a different shirt on her suit. So he has a, it's like a, almost like a red Hawaiian shirt. But what's really cool about this, this is a shirt, I think it was from the family business a graphic novel. Is a, I forgot who drew it, but I think James Robbins wrote it. This is the book that like introduced uh, Peter Parker's, uh, introduced Teresa Parker. So, but I, I thought it was really cool. You know, he still has his white coat on, but he's got this red like Hawaiian shirt underneath that. So, that's awesome, awesome little little Easter egg thing there. Um, he says that he's uh, seen her in some tough matches, but like this, he's like, does she want to tell him what's going on? He says that you know he always taught you know, Maya to, to keep a low profile, and she says, sorry, she got sorry, she got carried away. He knows what her father meant to her, and Kingpin says to all of us. So Maya signs that you know she's coming to her senses and she's focusing on a job. She's going to stop chasing ghosts. And Kingpin says that's you know quite the turnaround. Uh, Maya says that you know she realized that no matter what she does, she can't bring her father back. So finding whoever killed him won't change anything. Kingpin says that you know he would have wanted her to move on. Um, you know, he, and he's like he always wanted the best for you. If only you know he was here to see your accomplishment, and she just nods. Then she asks if it's okay with him. She'd like to take a couple days off to clear her head, and Kingpin says that that's reasonable. So she turns to leave, and then he stops her. He's like Maya. He's like I love you, and she signs back, I love you too, whatever, and she leaves. So like after her her dad died, Kingpin like took her in, and that's like what happened in the comics. So then Kingpin says to Kazi, he's like, Ronin is back, running around the city. An Avenger has taken an outsized interest in my operations. And the Bishop woman, she thinks she can just quit her job as if she works for Goldman Sachs. They keep mentioning Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs in, in, in Marvel. He's like, and Maya, my Maya, she's turned on us. He's like, what will we do about it? And there's silence. He's like, the people need to be reminded that the city belongs to me. So... Um, let's pause right here because one of the things I yeah it's I saw like an interview or I read an interview with uh, the actor uh, Vincent and uh, he says that he he says that this is the same kingpin from from Daredevil you know because there's a question is it the same one or is it like multiverse or whatever but he says it's the same one you know so we saw I think at the end of Daredevil he like he's get taken to jail or something like that but he also I saw some they they they're basically saying that. When the blip happened, Kingpin kind of lost some of his power. And so now, you know, he's trying to reclaim his place in, in at the, you know, New York is his city or whatever. So Clint and Kate are in a subway and he says, you know, sorry how all this turned around, turned out. Um, she says that she, you know, she can't really think about it. She's just focusing on tonight. And he says that she's right. They need a ton of gear, like a whole batch of way too dangerous trick arrows. And she's like, can you make more? And he just kind of smirks. Because before I thought he said that, you know, that was it. There weren't, weren't any more. So then we see him, like, making a bunch of trick arrows, you know, there's a bunch of, like, soldering and cutting and stuff like that. We see, like, you know, pepper spray. It's, like, some big arrowheads, pin particles. Um, she asks uh, what one is, and he, he says, way too dangerous. So she's making, like, she's got, like, old-school label maker, and, she, you know, she's got little different labels for them. He makes, there's, like, a magnet arrow, there's, like, a case with some big arrowheads that's, like, say Stark on there, so, like, are these, like, little Stark missiles? Um, Clint asks about the holiday party tonight. He's, like, is it a fancy thing? And she's, like, yeah, yeah, formal. And he says that, you know, she doesn't have to do this, you know, but it's, it's part of the job. You know, it's always inconvenient. It's lonely. She's, like, you'll get hurt. You know, heroes have to make tough decisions. 
And if she's going to do this, you know, he just wants to know that she's ready. And Kate's like, when I was younger, aliens invaded. She's like, I was alone and I was terrified. But then I saw you fighting aliens with a stick and a string. I saw you jump from that building, even though you can't fly, even though you don't have superpowers. And I thought, if you could do that, then I don't have to be scared. She's like, you showed me that being a hero isn't just for people who can fly or shoot lasers out of their hands. It's for anyone who's brave enough to do what's right, no matter the cost. She's like, I'm ready. So he gives a, a quick little smile. So then we see uh, several Trust-A-Bro trucks and you know, vans driving. Kazi's in an office building, says that he's ready. You know, if the bishop woman escapes, you know, he'll be ready to take her out, whatever. Ivan says that, you know, they're on the route. They have the, the exits covered. You know, he's got the west side and the east side, whatever. Clinton Kate arrive at the party. So this is kind of, it kind of felt like uh, Hawkeye issue two, which uh, I, I just talked about on a secret podcast where they, they go up to this, this uh, event and there's like a bunch of villains there. You know, Kingpin at, uh, was actually there too. So he has a, a tux on and she's like in this long like dress. Uh, she's looking for her mom. She doesn't see her yet. And he, he says, just to look around he's, and he's like, you know, what are, what are our assets? What are our threats? So she mentioned one guy, Gary, who fired her from the, one of the only jobs she's ever had, and they have assets all over the party. So the wait staff is is the LARPers, you know. So they're there in disguise, you know, because she probably helped arrange it, and, you know, got them there. So she notices that Jack is out of jail already. He has a big smile, you know, cheesy smile, and Clint notes that he has a sword. He's just carrying a sword, uh, you know he's just out of jail for allegedly murdering someone with one and he's carrying a sword and she's like you know maybe it's his way of proving he's really innocent or you know so it's like what is he thinking here kazi um he's getting a snipe a sniper scope ready so he's ready to, to shoot you know whoever his target is so clint gives uh kate a calm he says he's gonna you know do a lap around around the room you know just look around yelena arrives and when she goes by the coat check she's like no thank you so she keeps her coat on Eleanor finally arrives. Kate sees her. Kazi is about to take the shot, but Kate pulls her aside. Uh, she tells her mom that her business partner wants her dead. And she's like, what are you talking about? And Kate plays a video to meeting with the kingpin. She's like, how could you do this? And then she quickly tells Kate, she's like, you don't understand. When your father died, she's like, I was blindsided. He owed that monster money. Then uh, then Jack comes up to him. He finds him. He's like, oh, sorry to interrupt. But he's like, I really need a word with Eleanor. Clint looks out the window. And uh, the, the cop, a LARPer, comes with like a tray of drinks, whatever. Kazi takes aim at him, but then Clint sees uh, the laser target reflected off a of glass. He tells her to get down. It's like the, the shoot, um, the shot takes out like some of the glasses, whatever. He tells her, the, the LARPer, to, to get people out of there. Clint's like running and, and Kazi's like trying to shoot him like through the windows. Yelena is just like calmly watching, like, you know, taking all this in and figuring out like what, what's going on. Kazi tells someone that Barton and a girl are there. He's like, tell the boss that Christmas came early. So Kate calls Clint for on the comm and asks, she's like, what was that? And he's like, oh, sh you know, shots fired, get everyone out. And Eleanor's like, Kate, do not go out there. She's like, it's too dangerous. And she's like, you're the reason it's dangerous out there, mom. So Kate tells her just to stay put and stay out of this. But then Eleanor does go somewhere because like Jack turns around and she's gone. He's like, I feel like I'm missing something here. Then he hears gunshots. He's like, this is my time. And he pulls out his sword. So a, a guy, uh, one of the LARPers gives Clint a bag. Kate tells someone to, to kill the lights. Um, Kazi's like just about to shoot and take her, you know, her out. But the lights go out. So uh, Kate sees Yelena dart off. Kate catches up with her by the elevator. She's like, I know you're chummy with my mom. She's like, I didn't think you'd... 
um, make the cut for the Christmas party. And Yelena's like, Kate Bishop. She's like, I'm not here to ruin anything. I'm just going to kill Barton, have some appetizers, then I'll go. And Kate's like, I hope you enjoyed a bruschetta because it looks like you already lost him. And she's like, he's in the elevator. And Kate mentions, she's like, there's 65 floors. She's like, and you're not going to magically guess which one he's on. So she looks at one, sees it stopped at 12. She's like, 12th floor. <laughs> and she goes to get on that, and then the elevator. And Kate's, you know, tries getting on too. And Yelena's like, no, Kate, stay. And then, uh, you know, she pushes the, the door closed, whatever. But Kate, like, as the door closes, Kate, like, rushes in. She's like, ah. <laughs> so then uh, as they're riding down, you know, Kate's, like, just, you know, it's, like, silent. Kate looks at the buttons, and then she goes to move. But then Yelena, like, slaps her hand. <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> and then there's another pause. Kate makes another move, but then Yelena blocks her. And, like, the third move, you like, Yelena kind of, like, twists her arms out. She goes down, and Kate gets up. Well, she's still holding her arm, and she slaps her, <laughs> Yelena face the other. And she's, like, shocked. She's like, what was that? And Kate's, like, she's, like, shocked, too. She's like, I don't know. And she makes a move towards the buttons again, but Yelena gets a hold of her outfit. She kind of spins, and, like, the, the dress comes off, and Kate's wearing her, like, her improved archer costume underneath or whatever. And Yelena's like, did you plan that? And Kate smugly says yes. And Yelena's kind of surprised, but then Kate admits, she's like, no, no, I... But then she hits all the buttons on the elevator. <laughs> Yelena's like, come on, that is so annoying. So she takes off her coat, and she's, you know, reveals that she has her, her work outfit underneath. So she throws it at Kate and gets off on the floor, and, and Kate runs after her. So they're running through the floor. They're struggling. Um, Kate gets in front of her and blocks the doorway. She's like... It's like, why are we doing this? It's Christmas Eve. Let's get a drink. And Yelena's like, okay, yeah, sure. After I kill Clint Barton. And Kate's like, no, no, that's not what I... And Kate, well, Yelena pushes her. Kate grabs her, you know, just like struggling, fighting. Kent's, Clint stands by a window. He sees a laser target and shoots an arrow. So what's kind of annoying is Kazi managed to duck it. Duck, he ducks the arrow somehow. So people are so quick. It's like, how would he even know to look there? Because Clint's on a different floor and everything like that. The arrow hits a wall and like this purple like smoke comes out and it, it like starts making him cough. So he runs out of the room. Um, Clint calls Kate, asks where she is. Um, they're like fighting through the offices and and at one point they kind of like stop and admire each other's moves and stuff like that. Yelena is like, he's like, oh, it was fun. And she's like, she's like, bye. So she throws this like anchor thing on lying on the on the floor and she jumps jumps out the window because uh, she threw I think she threw something out the window first. So Kate um, calls a Clint. Tells him to watch out because there are a few floors above him. She's like, it's a Yelena. And she tries shooting at him. And she kind of goes by Clint's floor. And she goes like, down to the ground level. So Kate uh, hooks a line to Yelena's line. And she like looks out the window. And she's just like, because she's up high. I don't know how high up she is, but you know, higher than 12 stories. So she jumps down. And she's like screaming, like on the way down. She manages her slow herself, you know, by getting her boots against the wall, like just to slow it down. And Kate asks if she's okay. You know, she makes it around. She's like, yeah. And then she notices that the tracksuits are there. You know, there's a bunch of vans that pulled up. They come at her, you know, recognizing Kate Bishop. And, you know, she takes two down and uh, she like twists the, the gun hand, you know, of a third or whatever. And, you know, he's. This one guy is like, it's not the best time, but your advice with, with my girlfriend worked. So this is the guy from the one episode. He's like, we went to Maroon 5 instead. And she's like, oh, that's so great. But she's like, but what's with the gun? And he's like, I'm sorry. But then he, uh, she, she kicks him. He's like, oh, I just wanted to thank you. Um, she takes out a fourth, but then a fifth pulls out a gun. Jack swings an ar like his sword down at, at the gun. And she yells like, behind you. So he fights a couple other guys. So Jack's actually like helping out. 
Um, she says, you know, sorry, her mother um, had him put in jail. He's like, oh, it's fine. He's like, but I lost track of your mother. So Clint pulls a, he's, a, he's walking on the floor. He's like throwing some like devices around and like little like, electronic things like up on the ceiling or whatever. Some track suits come in after him. He stops like listening and then Kazi somehow manages to, to sucker punch him from behind. So somehow, you know, he got out of his building, went down, crossed the street, whatever, up the floor, the right floor. So it's like, whatever. So, you know, he, he, they're, they're getting ready to fight. He's like, oh, I'm going to enjoy doing this. And Clint, he just stands there and Kazi like headbutts. So it's, it's almost like, does Kazi have like some sort of superpowers? He's like, he, he dodges an arrow. He gets over there super fast. You know, he, he manages to headbutt him. And and Clint's kind of like sloppy while he's he's fighting him. It just I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just better trained, but he just didn't seem like he really had any any moves or whatever like that. So then um, the others arrive, and then Clint hits a detonator. A roof caves in on him. He grabs Kazi and slams him like he does this movie, like flips him over. I don't know what it's called. He like slams him like over his back, and and he's out. So like that that took him out. I mean, it was it was a pretty impressive move. And then he's like, "You were right. That was fun." And so he sees several more tracksuits get off the elevator. So he's like, this is some Christmas. So they run at him shooting. He jumps out the window. He, he grabs a line, but then it cuts. And he, he falls, like, onto the big Christmas tree. And he's like, ah. And then he, he, he's standing there, like, holding on the tree. Like, he sees an owl, like, right? Love. He's like, hey. And the owl's just, like, looking at him. Kate's, like, uh, still fighting some bros. She asks Clint, she's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm here. He's like, I'm in a tree. She's like, what are you doing in the tree? So one of the LARPers comes out with her gear. The LARPers are, you know, they, they're trying to get people to calmly exit, but they're not listening. So Grill says, like, I think it's time. Maya, um, she's at her place. She's packing some things. And she looks at a picture of her, of her, her dad, and Kazi. And she's, like, thinking. More bros arrive. Kate's like shooting arrows at them. So she went back inside. She went like a floor up above. And Clint's still in the tree. You know, he's, I guess, trying to make his way down. Clint asks, uh, you know, where's our backup? And so Grills, Missy, uh, the lady cop, and the other dude, they come out in their LARPer costumes. And Clint chuckles. He's like, we're all going to die. But so did they kind of figure that if they're in their costumes, people will pay attention to them more. Kate tells Clint that she's going to get him out of the tree. And he's like, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you doing? So she shoots one of the cables that kind of like secures it up. And he's like, wait, wait. She's like, don't do anything stupid. And then she shoots another arrow. She's like, timber. And it's like acid arrow. So the, the tree falls over onto the ice rink. He like slides out and like the big ball Christmas, like star thing, like almost like hits him. But he like, he's just manages to avoid it. Bro start coming at him. So he's like on the ice rink now. Kate shoots a cable. And, uh, you know, she's, she goes out there, like, you know, there's, like, cable hole keeping the, the ice from the whatever. And so, like, like smoke starts starts coming out. Um, then she shoots another one. She shoots. Uh, and so it's kind of a cool move because she comes. She's Somehow she got there really fast. But she's, like, sliding across the, the ice on her knees. And she's, like, shooting, you know, the bros coming at him. Clint shoots an electro arrow that magnetizes, like, all the posts around the ice, whatever. It takes all the bros' guns and, you know, they can't pull them off. He takes off his dress shirt and he reveals that he's wearing his, his costume underneath. So it's like the black outfit with like the kind of purple arrow thing or whatever. So she's excited. She's like, you wore it. She's like, it looks good. She's like, I told you. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, she keeps saying he needs a costume, whatever's brand. 
um, he's like, we have to get off the ice, but there's just a one stairs right, right there. And a, a bunch of bros are coming. And so he gives her like some trick arrows and he's like, let's give them hell. So they shoot a bunch of arrows, like a flare arrow, arrow with like these flying spikes, a ice arrow, like shoots this guy's leg, like freezes up his, his whatever. Another one has like a, like wraps a like a wire on his leg and an arrow, like kind of carries him up. There's like another like electro band arrow that wraps a guy up and like shocks him there's an arrow that shoots out like little darts when it hits the one guy whatever there's orange smoke arrow so even though they, they take out a lot they're still getting surrounded it's like how many how many dudes are there how many bros are there so they're like standing back to back there's more shooting and swinging it's almost like avenger style where you know they're coming at them from from behind there's like this like airbag water balloon arrow or something like that um then this trust bro arrow comes speeding down the road it hits like the curb goes flying at them on the ice rink which is crazy and then kate shoots a, a pin particles arrow at it it shrinks down and lands on the ice <laughs> and then they just kind of stare at it and she's like what happens to them now? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to have to ask Scott about that. But then, <laughs> for some whatever bizarre reason, the owl flies down and carries it away. <laughs> so more more bros get up, and Clint like shoots an explosive arrow at them, and he like without even looking, he like shoots it like behind his back or whatever. Uh, and then there's you know gunshots. Kazi and two bros are coming, and he he tells her to go to her mom. He shoots an arrow that splits into three. So it takes out the two on the side, but Kazi manages to catch it, and he's like, nice shot. So it's like, how the heck can he do all this stuff? So he's he's about to shoot when Clinton's tackle from behind and lands on his back on the ice. So it's Yelena. Then his motorcycle comes, skids, takes out the, the two bros that were on the side of Kazi, and she's standing before him. And he's like, you should have left and never come back. He's like, you know what I have to do. So they start fighting, and you know she knocks the rifle out of his hands and sends him flying back with a kick. Yelena says to Clint, she's like, before I, I kill you, I have to ask you one question. And he, he's like, nice to finally meet you, Yelena. And she says she needs to know what happened. And he's like, look, Yelena, he's like, if I told you what really happened, you'd never believe me. But what you need to know is your sister sacrificed herself. She saved the world. She's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, you're lying. You're pathetic. And she kicks him. Maya tells Kazi that she doesn't want to kill him. And you know she wants to leave all this together. And he's like, don't you understand? He's like, this is my life, my life. He's like, it was never supposed to be yours. She's like, don't make me do this. So I don't know if he's mad that he thought that he was going to be the next in line, like leading this whatever, but she took over, so he's mad. Even though it's like they're, they're I don't know if they're a couple, are they together? Um, Eleanor is escorted to her car, you know, and she tells the driver, she's like, we have to find Kate. I think she, then she screams, her driver's dead. Kingpin somehow like slices the door off. It seemed like that. I don't know if he ripped it or what. He ducks his head and he tells her not to leave. He, he then he tells her he's like, "Come here, let's talk." So Kate yells, "She's like, get away from my mom!" And she's like holding an arrow at him. And he like walks towards her. He's like, "What are you gonna do with that?" She like shoots him like kind of in the chest, and he just like pulls it out when it like surprises her. And then she shoots another, but it, it has like this cable, so he just like grabs it, and pulls her forward, and like punches her. He takes off his jacket. He's like, he's, he's getting ready to pound her. And then he gets slammed by the car, which I don't know how uh, she did this so fast. But, but Eleanor, she sent him flying through his like glass window. And there's like this little like toy shop or something like that. Not a toy shop. I guess it's probably the same toy shop that uh, Kate was in like earlier when she was shooting down. 
So he goes, he's flying inside. Kazi tells Maya, Maya that he's not like her. You know, it's, it's too late. She says that if he's brave enough to choose it, they can walk together. And he's like, he won't let that happen. He's like, I can't walk in both worlds. So he he grabs an arrow and starts like swinging at her. They fight and everything like that. And they're like close by. And then he ends up getting stabbed in the gut. And he goes down and he tells her, he tells her to leave. He's like, he's coming for you. So Kazi's dead. <laughs> Kingpin, I'm assuming he's dead. Kingpin gets up and he looks at Eleanor and then Kate jumps in and, and asks, she's like, where are you going, big guy? So she swings, but he grabs her bow and just like whips her around. And he says that she's in over her head. Um, he starts walking towards the opening, but then she shoots like this net arrow that has like electri electricity or whatever. So he can't go outside the, the, the hole in, in the wall. So he, she goes at him again and he like punches in her gut and she goes flying across the room. Yelena and Clint are fighting. He says, you know, and he's like, nobody kill her. She made a choice. And she's like, stop lying. More punches. He grabs her. He gets a hole in her from behind. He's like, you're not listening. He's like, she sacrificed herself. Understand? He's like, I couldn't stop her. She like breaks free. Kate tries uh, um, scrambling up. Kingpin grabs her, gets her quiver and throws it down. He has grabs a uh, you know, bunch of her arrows and he's like snaps them in half, tells her to mind her own business. She tries taking them down again, like, you know, jump up, like what wrap around his head. And he just like tosses her, her aside. Yelena looks down at Clint and she's like, why would she sacrifice herself for you? She's like, why do you deserve it? And Clint's like, I don't, or I didn't. And Yelena says she died because you let her. And he says that he fought for it, but she was better than me. And Yelena is like, you should have fought harder. And she extends a baton. She starts hitting with it. And he like tells her, wait. And she, she hits him like, like, like five or six times. Kate, like she slides in her kingpin, tries making another move, and he just shoves her. And then he says that, you know, she's really starting to annoy him. Um, she managed to grab one of his, his cufflinks. And she like does the, the flick thing, whatever. So hits one of the arrowheads on the, because they're like all scattered on the floor when he broke them in half. It sends like a charge in it to like a few other ones. And she like ducks and it explodes. And then you see he's finally down because he took the brunt of this blast. So Kate checks on her mom and Eleanor says that she's okay. And you, know, you can see she's like sore or whatever. She's like, she says she's sorry. Um, you know, she's like, I'm going to put all this, you know, behind us. She's like, it'll go back to normal. And Kate's like, it's never been normal. And she thinks that, you know, part of her has always known that. Eleanor says that, you know, this was just an unfortunate arrangement. She's like, it's over. And Kate's like, killing Armand, hiring an assassin to kill Clint, framing your fiance. She's like, that's an unfortunate arrangement. And Eleanor's like, yes, sweetie, that's how the world works. She's like, I protected you from it. She's like, you may not have known what was going on, but I did it for you. She's like, and I, I know what it's like to have nothing. You can't handle it. And Kate's like, how do you know what I can handle? And Eleanor is like, she's like, I know you. She's like, you can't live life without consequences, you know, like your father. And then the police come. And then they tell Eleanor that, you know, she's under arrest for the murder of Armand Duquesne, uh, the third, whatever. And she looks at Kate and she's like, is this what heroes do? Arrest their mothers on Christmas? And Kate says that she's like, I'm sorry. She's like, I love you, mom. So Elena pulls out her gun. And then uh, Clint does uh, the Black Widow whistle thing that Natasha used to do with her. And she's like, how do you know that? He's like, your secret whistle with Nat? She's like, she talked about you all the time, Yelena. And she's like, she did? And he nods. She's like, what did she say? And he's like, she told me about how you got separated as kids. You know, she was flying that plane. I asked her if she was scared. And all she could think about was that you were safe. That never changed Yelena. It's like, she loved you and always wanted you safe. 
Yelena is like fighting the, the sobs and she looks at him. She's like, you got to spend so much time with her. He's like, yes, I did. She's like, it shouldn't have gone this way. She's like, if I was there, I could have stopped it. I could have, I could have changed it. And Clint says like, nothing was going to stop her. He's like, you know, Natasha. And she fights like a sob again. He whispers, he's like, she made her choice. It's like, we're gonna have to find a way to live with that. Yelena is like, I loved her so much. And Clint looks like, you know, he's like fighting a tyranny nods. He's like, me too. So she walks up to him and you know because he's like just like kneeling on the you know on his knees whatever she extends her and her hand and she helps him up and you know he you see he has a tear in his eyes they look at each other and he's like i'm sorry and she she turns and walks away so the police are looking at in a, the toy shop and they're like he's not here he's gone so kingpin is hobbling down the street like down this this alley or whatever there's a trust of bro van there and he's like the lights are shining on him and maya gets out and he's like oh what a surprise and then he sees she has a gun in her hand. He's like, Maya, you and I are family. Family. She raises a gun. He's like, sometimes family doesn't see eye to eye. The camera pans up. So that happened in a comic as well. And what happened, I don't know how they, they got past this, but I'm pretty sure in the comic she like shot him in the eye. And you know, with the fact that he says that they don't see eye to eye, that would make sense. Uh, so maybe next time if we see kingpin because there's no way they're gonna kill him so next time we see him maybe he's gonna have an eye patch um but i don't know how he got his eye back in the comics i totally don't remember but i'm not gonna look it up so uh the cop lady larper talks to jack she's like oh i saw you with your sword she's like you're pretty handy do you ever think about larping and he's like larping what's that? so he might get into it whatever clinton kate are sitting by an ambulance and he says he's like i'm gonna be honest with you kate He's like, it doesn't happen too often, but every once in a while, you come across somebody that just makes you better in, in every way. He's like, and that Missy, boy, she just outdid herself with this suit, right? So Missy's the LARPer that made the suit. Kate chuckles, and he's like, the elasticity in the fabric. And she's like, stop. So he says that he knows tonight was a lot. She took on the kinkpin all by herself. There's not many people walk away from something like that. He's like, I'm so proud of you. He, he holds her hand, and then he's like, you know what? We got to walk that dog. And she's like, yeah, we do. So it's Christmas Day. You see an SUV driving to the Barton farm. Clint gets out, goes to the back, gets his bags and some gifts out, and he's like smiling. He looks at the house, and then he's like, are you coming? So Kate and Pizza Dog are there. So she's like, are you sure this is okay? He's like, yeah, they're excited to meet you. So opens the door. Kids are like all excited. He hugs Laura, his wife. And then the kid's like, oh, the dog is cute. They're like, what's his name? And Kate's like, that's Lucky. So he finally got his name. So he's, he's no longer just pizza dog. They finally acknowledge that his, he's going to be lucky. And Clint tells Laura, he's like, I have brought home a couple strays. He, know, um, he introduces her. And then Laura immediately like gives Kate a hug. And she's like, oh, it's good to have you. So later, he's talking to Laura. He's like, you're never going to guess what was found at a black market auction in New York City. And he holds up the watch, the Rolex. And she takes it, and she's like, thank you. And she turns around. There's a Shield logo, and it has 19 on the back. And he tells her that he wants her to take better care of her stuff. And she's like, you're hardly one to talk. And then um, he asks Kate if, if she can help him with something real quick. So this right here is kind of a problem. Because uh, Agent 19 in the comics, that's uh, Bobby Morris. That's Mockingbird. But if you watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mockingbird, Bobby Morris, is Agent Palicki. So 
basically Marvel Studios is implying that Laura Barton is really Bobby Morse. And, you know, yeah, it's possible she changed her name to get away. You know, that's how that was her way out of the spy business. I and and yes, I, I get that whatever maybe you're you're saying that Agents of Shield isn't in the regular MCU, that it's multiverse or whatever. I still I don't see why they have to do that. Uh, I mean, unless they plan on on introducing other things, other aspects, but I just uh, so maybe Clinton and Bobby ended up getting married, but I I just don't don't know. I I, I or maybe she was I don't don't remember if Agents of Shield she used nineteen. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> so, so there you go. So anyways, Clint asked Kate to help him with something real quick, but that's what the watch meant. In case you're you're wondering. I don't know how I feel about that. So uh, he puts the Ronin suit on a barbecue grill, and he's like, I figured you'd like to help me end what you started. And he puts, like, lighter fluid on it and hands her a box of matches and whoosh. And she's like, should I say a few words? <laughs> but it's like, uh, I don't know what material this is. First of all, is it going to burn that easily? And it's like, shouldn't you put it, like, in a fire pit or something like that, not on a grill where you plan on putting food? Because, like, I guess you're going to have to really clean it to make sure there's no chemicals from the material or anything on there. It just, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a good place to, to, to light it, whatever. But then um, then she's like, can I ask you something? And she's like, what do you think of Lady Hawk? And he's like, yeah, that's terrible. And he, like, walks away. So they're heading back to the house. And he's, then she's like, Hawk Eve? And he's like, no, that's worse. And she's like, dang, okay. She's like, Hawk Shot? He's like, kind of like, like Hot Shot, but, you know, Hawk? And he's like, no and she's like lady arrow he's like none of those she's like okay fine and then as they're walking you see like a, the, a shot of the target on the, the tree that was like in uh end game no and in infinity war whatever and he's like you know what actually i have an idea and then it cuts to the hawkeye logo so he's probably gonna say why don't you just call yourself hawkeye and that's the end we start getting the credits but then you look it's like wait there's 10 minutes left and it's like, I know that the credits are super long because they do the credits for all the different regions, but it's like, that's a long time. But then we get Happy Holidays from Marvel Studios and we get a song from Rogers, the musical. It was okay. Not what I really care to see after that show. Uh, you know, it was like you would want something to connect something to somewhere else, a hint at something, but we get this. It was fine, but yeah, that, so that's how it ended. But Man, this was a great show. I, I'm not crazy about that Agent 19 thing. Whatever. I mean, that's that's what it is. But yeah, it was good. just a hot, the Kingpin stuff. And it was a really, really strong um, performances and, and everything like that. It was just really, really cool. Really enjoyable. And uh, it's like Clint says, you know, Kate made him better because, you know, I, I like Jeremy Renner as an actor. You know, he's he's good and like everything I've seen him in. But he just never really felt like Hawkeye. There's always something to spin off a little bit. But the two of them together and just Haley Steinfeld, man, she's she impresses me. Uh, you know, she's just really good. Uh, I never know. I've, I've seen, I think I've seen two of the, um, what's the singing movies? I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank now. That, she was in those movies because my daughter watched those. Um, but I just really noticed her because I think she was in that. Was it not true? Was it True Grit? But she was in Bumblebee, and but just here and, and you know, I've watched a Dickinson like a season and a half of that. 
but she's just really good in this. I, I think she's perfect as Kate, and just we we have to see more. So it's like hopefully we'll get. I would love Kate Yelena to to do something together. Um, you know, maybe I, we'll have to see what America Chavez is like. Hopefully, she'll be cool. And so, great show, <sighs> but it's over now. So that's the sad part. But it's like perfect timing for. I, I, it makes sense now why they would, you know, push it back a little bit. You know, it ends right in time for Christmas and everything. But that was it. So great, great show. I, I loved it. Okay, I want to just briefly talk about The Unforgivable. So this is a Netflix movie. So it was released on November November 24th, I guess. It has uh, Sandra Bullock in it. And uh, surprisingly, so it also has Vincent Donofrio. So it has a kingpin in it. Also has a uh, um, John Bernthal in it. So it's like we actually have the kingpin and Punisher in the same movie, which is, but it's funny, um, Vincent Donofrio, I, I, I don't think that's how you say it, but it's like, I, when I'm looking at him, I'm like, this guy looks familiar, who is it? Because, you know, he has hair and everything, and, and, and he's like, he plays like a nice guy in here, he, but he, he's, he's really good in this. So this, this movie, um, I don't, uh, man, I wish there was like a short description of it, because I don't want to give things away, but Basically, what what happens is San and Sandra Bullock. So the, only, the reason, main reason I'm bringing this up is she is such an amazing actor. I mean, I I feel like, and I'm sure people know this. I mean, if if you've seen her and everything like that, I just feel like she's like underrated. I I don't feel like she gets enough credit for what she does. And I don't know if maybe maybe people are just associating her with Miss Congeniality or Speed or you know whatever. But and she's just she's just really good. I mean, just a really powerful performance. So yeah, I, I feel like people should watch this. It's a it's a, a serious movie. You know, it's it's not a you know comic book uh, whatever geek genre movie at all. You know, so it's uh, takes on some some serious things. Um, what happens is. She she gets released from prison after like twenty years uh, because she murdered a sheriff. Uh, basically, that the sheriff was came onto her property was going to evict her and her five year old sister. Um, but see, but the thing with that, and I don't know, and I'm trying to think is, I was like, I don't know if that was a spoiler because I thought, I thought that at, at first it was like her daughter that it was her and her daughter, and then so I yeah I don't know. <laughs> I hope that wasn't. I mean, it's, it's not like a big deal. But but yeah, because her their, her father, they're they're living like on a farm, and you know their their father died, and their, their mother you know died during like childbirth, you know, with a sister or whatever. So basically, she you know comes out of prison, and you know she's just trying to deal with that, and and you see how rough it is, and you know for whatever, you know. But when people you know they served their time and everything. They, they, you know, they should get a, a second chance. You know, they, they, and it's just you see like what prison can do with you. So she kind of goes sort of like this halfway house, and you know, she's sharing a room with like three other women, and it's just like it's not not a pleasant place. You know, she's trying to get a job. She like lined up uh, during prison. You know, she was like studying like carpentry stuff because you know, maybe I think she was probably good at it before because she, you know, there's mention at the house that you know she built this one thing or whatever. And, you know, she, I think she got her license through, you know, like a, whatever extended education type of thing. And like, you know, she's supposed to have a, a job lined up, but then of course, when they find out who she is or something like that, you know, it miraculously doesn't go through. 
so you just get little things like that and you know she ends up getting this job at like a fish factory and and you know she's just trying to live her life and and the whole thing is you know she wants to find her sister you know but part of like the court orders is and i think part of the i don't know if it was contingency of her release uh, you know she wasn't going to try to make contact uh because you know her sister was adopted out or whatever and all this stuff like that but of course you know she's how could she not want to see her sister and everything like that but then or like you know she was five years old you know she probably doesn't even remember you and everything like that and so it just kind of goes from there it just yeah some 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 things escalate a little bit and because uh, part of the, the the other problem where you might think it's like okay that sounds kind of straightforward there there's no real major problem aside from her trying to live her life start her life and you know keep her nose clean but the problem is that the sheriff that was killed had a couple sons and uh like one one brother especially he's like she's getting out of jail after that and our dad's dead and everything like that and the other brother's like like you got to let it go it's like you know i have a, a family now because you know he's married and and has a, a like a baby and everything like that but you know of course there's no way it's just just gonna get let go you know because they're they're gonna want revenge doesn't matter she went to jail for 20 years you know that's not enough because you know that's hard to live with we we keep getting like flashbacks as to like how it happened and you know she's like don't come in here she's like i have a gun and you know there's, there's like all these people coming and uh there there's more to it and that's all i'm gonna say about the story but it's just like it's a very powerful performance and everything like that and uh you know just trying to see you know can she move on can she start you know restart reestablish her life and and you know will she be able to see her sister and you know is she going to survive or the brother's going to come after her what's going to happen and everything like that so it's, it's just really good movie all around and uh it's just good performances so i i think that really carries the movie and um you should see it so i i think that's all i, I want to say about that you know i don't really want to get too more in depth but it, it was it was a good movie so I, I was impressed with that so that is the unforgivable on netflix okay then the other movie feature the second one is swan song so this is i think playing in some theaters it's an apple tv plus show came out on december 17th wait unforgivable came out in november so that was a really long time ago and i just saw, i thought it just came out yeah, but I realize that we're like at the end of December. I was thinking we're at the, I was thinking we're at the beginning of December. So uh, Swan Song has Maharshali Ali. Uh, he's like the 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 lead in here. It also has Naomi Harris, who was in Pirates of the Caribbean, um, and she was in uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. And um, it has also has Aquafina. Has a, has a, a little role, and Glenn Close is is in this movie. So there, there's a a good cast in here, and basically, what the sort of short description what I'm seeing online is when a loving husband and father, Cameron Turner, so that's uh, Maharshali Ali, is diagnosed with a terminal illness, he is presented with the option of sparing his family grief by having him replaced with a clone. So Turner is torn about whether to discuss the option with his wife. So. Um, the big thing, and I don't know if anyone's made this this, this, this comparison, it, it kind of feels like a Black Mirror episodes. It's a it takes place a little bit in the future, obviously that you know we can have all this cloning, you know, technology perfected and everything like that. And you know, there's going to be a way to transfer memories, you know, everything like that, and, and you know, just so it's like totally no no problems there. But it, it comes down to what do you do in this situation and and that's the the heavy part of this so the the movie it's um you know it's it's 
you might say it's a little slow at times, but it's it's all about the story, and you know, it's a love story. You know, this guy loves his wife. He has a you know a son, and he's dying, and you know he doesn't know how to tell her. There's more to it than just just that, because you know we we also find out that she had a twin brother who died. Uh, you know, some, there's something that happened there, and she just had she had like a really hard time accepting that. You know, and uh, well, there's also one point before they're talking about. Like somehow, I, I think they're, I don't know if they're talking about the cloning technology like years before it happened, because it was like when her brother was alive and, and they're, they're, they're talking about that. She's like, oh, I don't know, whatever. And then they, they talk about um, if they could have their mother brought back and they wouldn't know the difference. She's almost like, it's like, yeah, I, I, I would go for that, you know? So that, that also gets Cameron, you know, thinking about you know should he do this and because basically you know his wife has no idea he's dying and 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 so what he's thinking is like i'm just going to have myself replaced and reinserted into my life and you know and she's never going to know because you know there'd be no indication or whatsoever and you know he doesn't know if he can live with that because one it it seems kind of weird but you know he he goes to this this like far off like uh where to where they they do all the cloning and, and whatever stuff it's like way out in the wilderness you know whatever i might be on this island or something like that so you know he goes there and he you know talks to glenn close you know she's in charge of it and there's only like like three people on staff because then they use like ai to you know do all the other stuff or whatever so you know they they make the clone and you know he meets the clone and you know they, they do the memories and you know he talks they talk to each other and uh because eventually what would happen is i guess the clone would this part would be like erased from it. So it wouldn't eventually wouldn't even know that it was a clone. Cause at this point, you know, it, it does know. And, you know, he's, he's thinking how this is what's best. But then when he starts thinking about it, cause you know, they're, they're at one point, the, the three of them are sitting there talking Glenn close and uh, Cameron and the clone, they call him Jack for now. And they're going through memories and stuff like that. And then it starts getting hard for him to, you know, hear his clone, talk about like memories about like certain things and he's like i can't go through with this and then they they you know jacks are saying he's like well you're being selfish you know he's like you wanted this and you know she said that you know she would want this if you know it would spare her you know whatever so that becomes a big dilemma and you know because the thing is he's he's dying so does he go back for his own sake or does he spare them the grief and give them himself for you know the rest of you know whatever regular life so that that's like the big debate in the movie. And then Aquafina's character, she had had done this procedure like before. And you know, Cameron actually meets her double, you know, doesn't even know like, you know, sees her cuz she's I forget where she's working real estate or something. And then uh, you know, then Aquafina's like living on an island where I guess she's going to live the rest of her life until she dies cuz you know, she's probably terminal as well. So it just seems like really weird. It's like if you know you're dying, do you spare your family and then you just live, you basically are going to live alone until you die. Cause you know, you're not going to have any friends or family at your side, which in a way is, is kind of good. Cause then it's like, if you're, they're there, you know, it's, it's just there for you. So if you're not, it's not that you're being selfish. It's like, you're dying. You know, you you want, you know, your loved ones there, but at the same time, they're going to have to live with that memory of seeing you dying, deteriorating or whatever, and and yeah, it'll get to say their goodbyes and all that, but it's it's still gonna be tough and emotional and, and hard versus just having a complete like a perfect copy of yourself. It's just 
it's i don't know it's, it's just kind of crazy so it's uh that that's basically the movie and uh like i said it, it did feel like a black mirror episode and you know so uh, you couldn't help but wonder like are things gonna get, get you know turn get twisted and, and go like some weird dark you know direction or whatever but um it 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 was a good movie, so I, I would say that you know it's it may not be the most crazy action-packed movie out there, but they did a good job with it, and uh, I, I I do recommend that. So if you, if you have Apple Plus, you want to see it, and you know they're, they're strong performances. So I mean it's just they just did a re- really good job with that. So that is Swan Song on Apple TV Plus. Okay, then the main movie feature is The Matrix Resurrections. Um, so here's here's my my story with this. So I was I got a ticket for some reason. You know, so the movie opened on Wednesday, and you know I I usually go the preview night. You know, the, the night before, and it was weird. So like the Tuesday, there's no showings for The Matrix. They had showings for The King's Man because that also opened on Wednesday. So I was like, that's weird. Why is there no screenings for uh, The Matrix? So I got a ticket for Wednesday. I was going to go to 11.25 show. I was like, okay, I'll just go to matinee. It's cheaper. won't be a lot of people. I won't have to worry about it. Just go there, watch it, get it done and everything. So I, I go to the theater, uh, get my get my ticket uh, from, from the machine because, you know, you can buy your ticket online and you, you go to a little kiosk to get your, your ticket. I'm in line to get popcorn. And uh, <laughs> and then I see like a manager walk out with like a sheet of paper, and he goes in a direction where my the theater would be. So I'm like, hmm, because uh, there's been times where I've had a ticket for some, and they switch theaters, or it's, one time they they change a time when I saw a Lego Movie two. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder that that can't be for my movie, right? He comes back. And then he's just like yells out to people in line for popcorn. He's like, if you're here for the Matrix, we're not showing it today. So we're going to have to give you a refund. It's like, sorry. So I'm like, oh. So I'm like, okay, things happen. You know, something, some sort of technical problem with their copy of the movie. Maybe they didn't get it or maybe the hard drive file was corrupted or not in I don't know what it was. So I go get my, my ticket back and I'm totally you know, not angry or anything like that. Um, I was, I was probably more angry. I didn't get my movie theater popcorn because I really want some, but, uh, but then I was like, luckily I can watch this on, on HBO max. But of course, when I start watching it, I don't know if it was because it was like raining a lot. If that has any effect with my internet, internet's not, my internet's not perfect. It's, it's annoying. And, and I, yeah. So, Every once in a while, it would like pause or just like stop. And I'm like, oh, it's just so annoying. Um, so I, eventually I saw it. And um, the movie is good. It, it's uh, I'm, I'm a little torn with how I feel about it. I, I don't know if I would say I 100% loved it. And, you know, having watched the other two or other three movies, you know, and it's, it's, it still kind of holds. You know, the first movie I really thought was great. You know, it was, it was really cool. Second and third movies were were okay you know and i remember like the third one was just you know i not really loving it whatever so it's just weird you know and it, it is a good idea to watch all you know, the three movies if, if you're that invested you know just to remember what happened in the last movie there's a lot of like flashbacks and callbacks and stuff like that so you know you don't have to but it, it does help to remember how this all all 
ended you know like what happened to neo what happened to trinity and, and everything like that it's like how can they be back and and you know they they solved everything so how can the matrix be you know this threat or whatever again and everything like that so it, it's it's cool just to see how this comes up because we see uh neo or you know thomas anderson you know he's living like a, a normal life and he's like this game developer you know he's like to successfully like won some award or whatever and he's but where things it's almost like they're pushing it a little too much like making it a little too meta he made a like a, a trilogy of games based off his dreams of the matrix and they they keep talking about like you know this other game developers are like they even mentioned like yeah warner brothers wants to reboot the franchise and they want to make a fourth you know they want to make a sequel to the trilogy which is like almost too meta and it's just like okay whatever and you know he he's not really he just kind of he said that he would never go back he didn't want to do that and you know he's just trying to you know get through his life and stuff like that he he kind of has like a solitary existence whatever you know he, um he he sees at one point he sees a uh, trinity he keeps seeing her like at his coffee place but her name is tiffany and his buddy like actually forces like an introduction or whatever but then he finds out that she's married and you know she has two kids so you know he he's like not really sure what's going on there um he's he goes to a, a therapist you know because he's talking about like his dreams you know about his sanity like is this a dream or whatever and stuff like that so uh neil patrick harris is his therapist in there and neil patrick harris as, as i'm watching this you know i i can't look at neil patrick harris and not think about about barney stinson from how i met your mother i mean it's such a great role so i mean he is good in this movie at, at first it's like you see, it's like, okay, he's just sitting there, you know, giving advice, but the, the role kind of expands a, a bit, you know, you, you could say. So it, it was it was cool to see all, all that. And um, Jessica Henwick, her character, she's like in, in the Matrix, and, you know, so she's, she like sees Neo, so she's like trying to free him from his, this life of just being like a regular game developer and, you know, trying to get things back. And then um, there's this, this, uh, embodiment of morpheus it's not really a morpheus it kind of is morpheus but it's not so she comes across him and uh they kind of work together so they're, they're trying to get to um to, to neo and everything like that um but then the other thing that that i i'm not super crazy about is so they, they kind of have agent smith here um, he's obviously different, you know, things have changed and there, there's exclamations for stuff like that, so, which is fine and it works. I don't know how he really felt about the guy replacing him. You know, he, he was good in his own rights for like how the change happened and everything like that. It's it's hard looking ahead at him and it's like, okay, this is this is this isn't our agent Smith, you know, this is someone else, but whatever, that that's fine. And you know, it's it's too bad that the the time you know that he what's his name couldn't come back you know hugo weaving you know because i think he, hugo weaving's doing like some was he doing like a, a a stage show in london or something like that so he he couldn't do the filming so it's just it's just too bad uh and then i'm still not sure why they didn't bring Lawrence fishburne in if there's some reason for that but i mean it's not it's morpheus but it's not more and i don't know if that's a spoiler i mean it's it's obviously you know they, they kind of talk a little bit in one clip that was that was released so there there's a lot of cool things uh but things are kind of like rebooted a little bit because you know once neo is aware you know what what's going on 
it's he's not like the unstoppable Neil that we've seen before. You know, he he doesn't he can't really do all that. And you know, there's one point where they're fighting and everything like that. He's like, I still know kung fu, but he's still you know he's not like this unstoppable thing. So it's that's kind of good in a way because he became like so super overpowered. And you know, watching the the like the second and third movies, it's almost like how was how did he not like stop things like right away because he could almost do like anything. So it's kind of good that they kind of pull that back and not necessarily like humanize him a little bit. But then part of his thing is you know he wants to free Trinity, but you know Trinity is like in her life. Is she even still? Is that even really Trinity? Because you might remember, spoiler, Trinity didn't she die? So how can she still be there? Like, what's going on or anything like that? And it's like, wait, but the other question also is like, how is Neo there? You know, so you know, all these questions and everything are, are answered. But we do get to see like what happened in the time, you know, after, after the third movie. And it's not really fully clear, like exactly how much time has passed, you know, because is it like real time, like for us, how many years? Because, uh, you know, we, we do see Jada Pinkett Smith, in, in, in a movie, you know, her, her character, uh, Niobe, is, is back as, as well. So there there's some some cool moments and everything like that. It's just there's the, the bits where it gets like almost like too meta. It's, it's just it's a bit much. So I don't know how I feel overall. I mean, I, I think I did enjoy it. Um, there's a, some parts where it felt a little slow. And, and part of it might be to blame with my stupid internet at the time where it was slowing things down. Because I... I, I had it on on a big screen TV. I made the room like super dark, you know, blackout curtains going and everything like that. So you know, trying to make it as dark and close to the theaters as possible. But I I don't know if it was just the internet pausing it a couple times. It just interrupted the flow for me, like fully enjoying it. Like versus if I was in a theater, you know, it would have been a different experience. And that's why I always recommend. That's why I was willing. One, I want to support the movie, and two, I really wanted that like theatrical experience rather than you know just sitting it and you know in my living room watching it on my TV. You know, my t- my TV is big. It's it's pretty. It's it's not like humongous. It's not the you know the size of the entire wall. But it, I, I'm you know more than happy with my my TV. It's just watching the big screen is, is just a whole different experience. Uh, so there's that. So, yeah, I can't say I absolutely loved the movie. I did enjoy it. It was cool to see, you know, them come back. Part of me feels like I need to watch it again. But part of me is like I'm not, like, in a hurry to watch it again. You know, I, I will at some point. So it was was cool to see the returning actors and just return to the world and everything like that. I will say, um, without giving it away, that there is an end credit scene. It's, it, it's, it's almost like it's a joke. It's like, like really. So if I would have been in the theater waiting for that, I would have been. I was like, man, really? I, I, I stayed around through, you know, just for that. But it's good to, to watch the credits or whatever and all that. So um, check out the movie. You know, support if you can. It is worth seeing on a big screen. Just you know, all the the effects and the visuals you know everything's really cool but if you can't um you know it's on hbo max i really wanted to watch in the theater and i could have it's yeah it was just been too crazy to try to go another day and then you know make sure i I can record all this so you have all all that um it's good so that is the Matrix Revolution. I don't think there's any much more I can say, but I, I do want to say that uh, I did really like Neil Patrick Harris in here, and um, Jessica Henwick. Her, her character was was cool as well. So you should definitely check to see what is new, what's familiar, 
um, it's it's just it's it's really cool. So that is going to be the end of the podcast. So a little bit shorter, um, almost just getting close to three hours, not quite. So big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I sometimes talk about movies. I feel like I'm doing that at some point. I, I, I should get something lined up but i'm currently talking about the hawkeye series the matt fraction david aha series uh clinton kate and pizza dog fun stuff so you can hear about about that but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck so what is going to be next week? So next week, the movie feature is going to be The King's Man. And like I said, I already saw that. I could talk about this week, but part of me wants to have something for next week because there's nothing big opening up next week. And also just to keep the show a little more um, concise, compact, so I can you know take care of other things as well. Um, there's also going to be the first, I think it's just the first episode of The Book of Boba Fett. You'll hear about that. Um, Cobra Kai comes out on the 31st, but I'm probably going to save that for the following week because, um, yeah, just for the sake of everything. So we have that coming up. There's also um, Don't Look Up. That comes out on, that came out on Christmas Eve. So we'll save that for next week as well since um, I don't think there's any other TV shows besides Dexter. Um, I don't think know if there's anything else coming up. So that'll be next week. So there, there'll be enough to talk about. Uh, I forget how many comics are coming out. But with the Kingsman, with Boba Fett, with Don't Look Up, um, there there'd be good enough to, to talk about in Dexter as well. So that is going to be this week's show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. I hope you are doing well. And uh, if you celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a good Christmas. I guess I won't talk to you before New Year's, so let's just say Happy New Year's. I didn't realize that, you know, like end of the, end of the year stuff, I guess, you know, you're going to hear it after in 2022 but um i'll probably record it around the yeah so there you go so i hope you're doing well hope you have a safe holidays if, if whatever you do for new year's just be safe you know obviously avoid big get-togethers avoid traffic you know driving because you know people tend to drink and drive stay safe you know protect yourself protect others but most importantly make sure you be good to each other 